welcome in to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly shop, talk shop, watch episodes of movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. <laughs> My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Yes, of all the podcasts I know that talk shop, we are one of them. We love to talk shop. Yes, we talk entertainment shop. We talk media shop. The favorite shops. Yes, no, the pork shops. shops. Pork, pork shops? Yeah. Pork, pork shop? Yeah. Some people call it a, a butcher. I call it a pork shop. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us. Today is October the 8th, 2022. It is episode 353. Two. Two. I assumed it was the one after. Oh, no. I always draft up. You have it already set up. 252 or 352 thank you for joining us um yeah uh let's get rolling because we have a bit a bit of stuff to talk about yeah we got week. a bit of news bit of thoughts even a fan question coming in at the end of the podcast we love to see it all right uh, we love to see them enter pod, uh, enter fan questions yes but we always start up at the top with music and we start the music with the billboard and we start the billboard with the hot 100 and we have a new number one song it happened it finally happened after sticking around Bounce around between number three and number two. Yep. Bad Habit by Steve Lacey, your number one song. I still have not heard this. I don't know what it sounds like at all. Oh, sorry. I keep confusing this one with, with uh, Bad first Habits five. with Ed And also Ed Bad Sheeran, yeah. Ed Sheeran Bad Habits. Yeah. Yes. But no, it's different. Yep. Um, coming in at two, As It Was by Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. At three, Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. Yep. Uh, coming in at four, I Like You, a happier song. By Post Malone, featuring Doja Cat. And rounding out your top five, Sunroof by Nikki Yore and Daisy. Daisy. (laughs) Not that Daisy. This is ZY Daisy. (laughs) Uh, As for your albums chart, your Billboard 200, it must be summer again because (laughs) Un Verano Sinti by Bad Bunny is your number one album. Yep, back at number one after a week off. Coming in at two. Five SOS five is your five seconds of summer. Five coming at number two. Five sauce five because I know people call them five sauce. Yes, they call them five sauce. Five sauce five. It's a palindrome. It's fun. It's like race car. Uh, makes sense if this is their fifth album. Yeah, I guess so. Must be. And then coming in at number three, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Because of course it is. Uh, at four, Born Pink by Blackpink. And rounding out your top five because it's your album of the year, Harry's House by Harry Styles. Indeed. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. We do. Starting with Yitzlayer. That's reality backwards. Sure is. <laughs> by Bill Callahan. Uh-huh. Uh, Forever and Ever No More by Brian Eno. Yes, that Brian Eno. It's Only Me by Lil Baby. It's been a while. It has been a while. Broke that out. <laughs> uh, Mata by M.I.A. Yes, yes not M.I.A. M.I.A. Uh, Stay Close to Music by Mickey Blanco. I Walked With You A Ways by Planes. Planes, by the way, is a collaboration between Katie Crutchfield of Waxahachie and Jess Williamson. Um, oh. This is the two of them doing kind of a, a folksy country thing. All right. Uh, we also have 
quite the room by Skull Crusher. Quiet the room. It's quiet. <laughs> it's I. So it's eat quiet the room. I don't know why, but okay. By Skull Crusher. Space Force by Todd Rundgren. <laughs> Dirt Femme by Toblo. Yes. Yes, that Toblo. Elysium by Wild Pink. I believe it's I-L-Y-S-M as in I love you so much. Or I thought it was like shortened for like Elysium. No. It's Elysium. No. Elysium. No, it's not. All right. Well, it's yelling at me because it's in all caps, so it might be. <laughs> it's also not like, does it have the dots in there? So <laughs> it's not like CIA. It's like scuba. Uh-huh. It's Elysium. Like laser. Yes. By Wild Pink. <laughs> And your top two albums. Top two albums. Okay, top two albums. Your big your release bigger album, releases. Bigger releases is Being Funny in a Foreign Language by the 1975. <laughs> coming back with another new album. Somehow. And Return of the Dream Canteen by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes. Yeah. They keep putting out new albums, I guess, to keep staying relevant. Uh, I think they have to do that for all the Target t-shirts that they sell. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, <laughs> so those are your new releases, and let's get right into some music news, and we got with some beef. Yeah. Maybe legal beef? Eh, probably not. Probably not. Well, Right Said Fred. Yes. Remember that, Right Said Fred? Yes. Mr. I'm Too Sexy. He's too who sexy collab- for shirt. Who collabed with Drake on his uh, I'm Too Sexy. Yeah. Or it was called Way Too Sexy for Drake. Yes. Uh, well, Right Said Fred has officially stirred not just the beehive, but the queen bee herself. Yes. Beyonce, who rarely comments on such matters publicly, has issued a statement vehemently ta- taking issue with the duo's reported claim that her camp never sought permission to use the I'm Too Sexy song as part of her recent Alien Superstar track. Right said Fred's allegations, as reported in the UK, uh, are, er, quote, erroneous and incredibly disparaging. Beyonce said in a statement issued to E! News, Beyonce pointed out that her track technically does not actually sample theirs, as the duo was quoted as contending, but is an interpolation in which I'm Too Sexy is essentially paraphrased through a re-recording of elements used. Thus, she says permission only needed to be sought from the songwriting publisher, not the holders of the original I'm Too Sexy recording. And when they did that, it was asked and granted. Yeah, so we talk a lot about who yeah. owns what? Legal beef here. Yeah. This is probably not going to go uh, to court or anything close to that. There probably won't be any litigation involved. Because Beyonce's right. It's not a sample. So she does say that, yeah, she went to the people, like the songwriters, basically, mm-hmm. not the band themselves. Not right said Fred. Not Fred. They didn't go to Fred. No. Um, and I think that's where maybe the, the discrepancy is. I feel like we just had a story similar to this a few weeks ago where it was like, Oh, the person. Yeah, it was. Um, shoot, what was it? I forget who it was, but it was like it was milkshake. It was uh, that's the right. album. It was Khalees yes, with Khalees. milkshake, where she was with also with Beyonce. You're right. This is the second time this has happened with Beyonce, where she was like, "Well, I didn't hear about it. 
So I'm but, mad. But they didn't need to go to right. Kelly's. They needed to go through, um, what was it, Universal? Yeah, I think it was like whoever owns the yeah. rights to the song itself. And that song had its own complicated background where I Kelly's was like right. pushed you had out of the box, rights for you that. You had your soapbox moment yeah. that week. Yes, box <laughs> moment. So yeah, it's interesting, uh, like that this keeps happening. Uh, that these artists do not know what's happening with their songs. It's similar to the whole Taylor Swift thing with her masters. It's like mm -hmm. if you don't own the music, those song owners can do whatever they want with it. And boy, do they! And boy, do they! And it's yeah, it's this is just constantly coming back up in this in these stories that like even the artists themselves don't know where they're being heard and how they're being used. It's mm -hmm. kind of messed up. But that's just modern. That's the modern uh, music business. Is it kind of messed up? So I don't know. I don't know what will happen here. Uh, but it's an interesting wrinkle. Well, I mean, technically they are in the right. It's a re-recording. It's interpolation. It's not the actual song. Therefore, they don't have to go to the actual band. So technically and legally, they're in the right. I mean, it may be messed up, but. Until laws change, until people like who created it own it, that's just what it is. Not saying everyone's either right or wrong here. <laughs> right. Just saying that just per like, the legal stance yeah. of everything they had to cover to get this album released, they went through the proper channels. We yeah. saw it with the Kellys. Yeah. We're seeing it here. I bet we'll see it one more time because <laughs> three times. Of, oh yeah, yeah no, everything happens in threes. Yep. Anyway. Anyways. Speaking of Taylor Swift. Yeah, you brought up Taylor Swift. I did. I always do. You know this. Yes. And as such, we shall bring up Taylor Swift here once again. Again, always. Be yes, because she keeps releasing the uh, songs for her upcoming her Midnight Song album. titles. Yes, Not the songs themselves, notably. No, no, the song titles. <laughs> yes. We yes. still haven't heard a single note of any of the songs on Midnight's. <laughs> well, on Thursday night and into early Friday morning, she kept revealing songs, not just the one per week, but rather the rest of them, uh, as all songs have now been revealed in build-up to her October 21st album. Um, uh, so she did this starting at midnight, released the remaining five tracks <laughs> until 4 a.m. Yeah. Eastern time. I did not stay up for this. No, but someone did. Someone probably did. <laughs> so... But uh, it was all in culmination because that very last track reveal brought, as promised in the caption, quote, quite the twist of an ending with none other than, you boat favorite? At one point. At one point, media, <laughs> at one point, media boat favorite, Lana Del Rey. Yeah, artist that puzzles media boat is what I will say. Yes. Uh, revealed as making the only featured guest appearance yeah. on the album. Uh, Del Rey will make her cameo on a song titled Snow on the Beach, <laughs> which will be track four on Midnight's. So a couple things here. One, interesting that she chose to just blow out the last five songs instead of doing this for a few more w weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, it's interesting. Like, the album comes out on the 21st. She did have runway to keep doing this, but she just chose not to. Um, second thing is, it's interesting that this is the only collaboration because there was a quote early on in the Midnight Cycle that she said that she was collaborating with a lot, like, many of her friends for this, re uh, for this record. 
But it seems like there's only one featured artist. Maybe that means any songwriting capacity, potentially? Or producing capacity? Yeah, like, it makes me think, like, in how many people are involved in the actual production as opposed to singing it. Because, yeah, it's interesting that this is the only guest on an album that she claimed was going to be full of guests. Unless we're getting more than one album. I personally don't believe that, but there are a bunch of people on um, Swift Talk. That would be Swifty TikTok. Uh, that the, I've been theorizing for months that this is a like secret like double album release that this is Midnight's is only part of what we're getting and then Dawn AM just <laughs> yeah, weekend shows up on that one. Uh, no like there are people thinking like oh it's gonna be a stealth release of like 1989 uh, Taylor's version or something at the same time and that she just hasn't said anything about it like I said I don't think I believe any of this all right so but, do what we do, and we take that rumor mill, right. churn it, and put it off to the side. Oh, yeah, no, you could do a whole separate podcast for the Taylor Swift rumor mill. And I'm sure you could. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. There are people out there that would be way better at doing that than me. But, uh, yeah, there's that. There's how many Easter eggs she supposedly leaves and everything that she does, that there's always hints to something if you ask a Swifty. Uh, but, yeah, nonetheless, interesting to have Lana on a track no, here. No, this is me putting on the tinfoil hat. Yeah. Right. If there's something in everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this it makes sense, this collaboration, when you think of uh, Jack Antonoff's connection with mm-hmm. Lana, having worked on a few of her albums at this point. So, no surprises here. I don't think Taylor and Lana are that close, though. Uh, I think this is mostly a business uh, relationship that's happening for here. I could be wrong. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's interesting um, having her on here. Uh, we'll wait and guess and hear what the song sounds like. I mean, we don't have that much longer to wait, though. No, only a few weeks. Two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Uh, so uh, watch this spot, because we will definitely talk about Midnight's when it's released. Yeah, so not next week's episode, but the week after. Yeah. We will have a full-on breakdown of every lyrical and note yeah. that Midnight's has. And I'll be listening to it at? 9 a.m. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Yes, not midnight. <laughs> 9 p.m. West, uh, 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 West Coast time. Pacific time. Anyways. Yes, you and everyone else helping to break uh, this is record, yeah. Spotify's servers. Uh, Apple Music. Apple Music you. servers. Apple Music. Yes. How dare you say that S word. Yes, I forgot. That's for spoilers. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. It was a couple things. Well, actually, um, you experienced something. I went to something. Yeah. I went to the uh, Alan Jackson... One more time, farewell to Um As we noted here on this uh, podcast um, and in Country News, he has chosen, chosen to retire. Well, he chose to retire, but not of his own accord, though. He's been yeah. diagnosed with munchin tooth something. I, I don't know. It's a tooth. No, it's, it's like not like the actual tooth, but it's a Wow. Yes, Charcot Tooth. Shark Tooth. Shark Tooth. Wait, one more time. What was it? Charcot Marie Tooth Disease. So okay. It's a. It's usually an inherited neurodegenerative disease that uh-huh. affects your muscles, and so it leads to you know decreased muscle. Um, muscle. Period. Okay. Uh, decre- like smaller muscles, and you could tell during the concert that he was a little. His mobility was a little affected. Well, yes, of course. Yes. It doesn't affect your voice, but he's... <laughs> Diaphragm, just he, strong as ever. He wasn't moving a whole lot, so. I mean, Yeah, but he wasn't moving when we saw him, like, eight years ago, either. 
years ago. Yeah, that yeah. was eight years ago. That's wild. Yeah. Well. Yeah, he canceled. My friend's mom was supposed to go to the concert tonight. Ah. Uh, Oh. So we'll see. You that's know, a sad one. Yeah. yeah, he's only has like two more concerts left on, tour, on his on his current tour. Um, that's not to say that we're not going to see Al Jackson. We'll probably see him at like CMAs, just doing like guest spots. Yeah, I imagine uh, he still a, shows a up. A giant things. like farewell, or like even like possibly like a Grammys tribute. Yeah, I bet the Grammys will do something for him. But like, I don't expect him to go back on tour because, like yeah. as you said, even at the concert that we were just at, yeah. It was getting very noticeable. I imagine the the process of a tour is very takes a toll on you oh, in it that does. form. Yeah, um, physically, yeah. physically, it's mm-hmm. not pleasant. Traveling to do. everywhere. There's a chance too. You probably haven't talked about celebrity deaths too yet, but the the passing of Loretta Lynn. Right. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. That, that's, yep. That's there under deaths. It's not unlikely that the stress of that might have amped up his symptoms a little. Certainly. Positive. That was my initial thought. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we cried. Oh, I bet. If you want to know how good it was, we cried. Yeah, I and mean, not for personal reasons. It was just good. I mean, yeah, he's been a constant staple of the genre for thirty years. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to his twenty fifth concert or his twenty fifth anniversary yeah. concert, not knowing any of his songs, and still having a good time. They're just a <laughs> lot of fun songs. Did you play a good time? Huh? Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to. You set me up. The one, I yeah, the one song it. you know, yeah. Oh, I, I know more. I probably I know. know more Alan Jackson songs than you think. Oh, I, I know you do. I watched a lot of. I listened to a lot of country radio and yeah, watched up. a lot of country yeah. music videos between like ages ten and seventeen. <laughs> so, ask me anything about country music from two thousand to two thousand seven. Oh, so free Florida Georgia line. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. where you draw That's your line. Dividing line, literally. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah. Um, this is sad news, you're right, um, to have such a staple of the genre and such a, a touring powerhouse to stop touring. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was, it, but it was a good show, nonetheless. Yeah, it was a good show. It, was, it wasn't at the biggest uh, theater or location sure. in our area, but I think that made it more close. Like you, like, you felt like you were a lot closer to Alan than you would be like at some place yeah. like SoFi Stadium. A more where intimate. You're 500 feet right. up and like, oh yeah, like, I can see him from like my binoculars. Yeah, a more intimate than you... Yeah. More intimate performance. That makes sense for where he's at with his career. And yeah, and, and this is not like he's going away. You're right. He's going to show up for guest stuff, I'm sure. He'll still probably record music. Mm-hmm. I don't imagine that this will stop him. I don't um, think so. Like, as long as they yeah. have to record. But yeah, as terms yeah. of like actually going out and touring. Probably not. Probably so, not. Yeah, yeah, you might not see him in your local town, but you will still be able to. Yeah, he's still a legend and will go down as such um, when, when his, when his uh, career is properly over. You, um, you'll see him probably pop up on festivals as Legacy Act. Oh, yeah. Because you can only go, you'll only go for like the one day. Right, so. And just play for the, the one yeah. set. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, sad news for Alan Jackson himself, but like, uh, but yeah, he's not going anywhere. You'll still mm-hmm. see him, and that's, that's He's not like, news. I have a timetable of death right, yeah. coming no, no, up no, no, here. No. No. no, nothing like that. But yeah, all yeah. right. There you go. Yeah, that was horrible. One out for yeah. for a uh, for a country legend. Mm-hmm. Make it tall and strong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's five o'clock. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I listen to a record. Yeah, you always listen to a record. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. Some weeks I don't. To be fair, <laughs> I always have something ready. But I do this week. 
Um, so, uh, one of, I think, uh, the more important indie acts of the last 10 years is this band called Always. And that's always stylized with two Vs instead of the W. Yes, Always. Yeah, so they kind of came out of nowhere in the mid-2010s, um, had a very catchy single, and then caught kind of fire in the underground. And yeah, they released two records. This new one comes five years after the second record that they put out back in 2017. It was delayed because of a handful of things, uh, mostly the pandemic being part of it. Mm -hmm. So it's been kind of percolating under the, like percolating with them for a while. And now it's finally out, their record Blue Rev. And I'm happy to report, if you like Always, this is more Always like amped up, like to like two times their previous power. This record just goes from the gate. It like just keeps going. So what they make is kind of like power pop with like a shoegaze influence. So a lot of fuzzy guitars, a lot of layered sound um, on top of uh, lead singer Molly Rankin's voice, which is very like airy and kind of like floats above the, the recording. And yeah, it's just more of that, like I said, kind of like with an amped up drive that we haven't necessarily heard from them before. There are very, very few slower songs on this record. It has a quite a high BPM almost through the entirety of it. Hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's very, it sounds like, like super, like just produced like with huge, like, like effort. Like there's just like layers upon layers of different things happening here. It's very hard to describe, I think in words. Um, but if you've liked their music in the past, it's a no brainer to check out this. If you like kind of a power pop kind of sound or if you like a shoegaze sound with maybe a little bit of like a new wave influence, like some 80s uh, new wave tossed in there as like a little bit of seasoning. Um, always got, always has you. So uh, yeah, check it out. Blue Rev, it's out this week. It'll probably, I imagine that this is going to be on some um, critics top 10 lists. They got an 8-8 mm. in Pitchfork, a rave review for them. Sounds okay. low, but... <laughs> Trust me, the review reads like a 9.5. It's not, it's weird that they gave it an 8.8. Eight. Um, it's very good. Uh, and yeah, I think we'll, we'll see it at the end of the year. Maybe even in uh, my list as well. Oh, on your end of the year critic list? It might just make it. Uh, like, it's it's pretty, pretty good. And I feel it's a grower. I feel like it's only going to get better as it goes on. Uh, okay. So you hastily just typed uh, that you listened to the King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard record that we talked about. Yeah, because you have a insatiable curiosity about this band. Yes, uh, their latest album, titled "Ice, Death, Planets, <laughs> Lungs, Mushrooms, and Lava," uh -huh. as long-winded as it is, um, <laughs> oh, got my better my curiosity, so I decided to pop it in. And uh, real briefly, I can only get through like two of these songs because they're <laughs> each like six and seven minutes. Oh Jesus! And there's uh, like seven tracks on it. <laughs> so it's like it seems short with only seven tracks, but no, no it's still Deceiving. like a forty-minute, fifty-minute album, and it's just how do I put chaotic melody into a phrase? <laughs> I think you just did, but it's, that's basically what it is. It's them swapping out instruments constantly. It's <laughs> basically it feels a little bit like the Martha tapes <laughs> okay. we talked about a while ago. So something a little raw, or more it's, like a demo. It feels more raw. It feels like they're just like in a studio messing around but the messing around actually like makes sense in a melody way and yeah. it kind of flows even though they keep swapping around instruments it's like oh now i'm listening to, to like 
speed jazz. I don't know. Now listen to like a flute recording, and now yeah. listen to like just like a guitar solo. It's kind of like a psych, like a psychedelic rock influenced prog band. Is it what, is what they kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. They just go for it. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what it is. It's just seven tracks of them just going for it and going hard, which is what <laughs> made me realize, like, oh yeah, uh, I did actually listen to that. <laughs> uh, it's really weird. It just continued to be fascinating that <laughs> they continue to pump up albums. And speaking of fascinating, yeah, they have two more coming out this month. Oh yeah, this is the first <laughs> of three albums coming yeah. out this month. Uh, it's not on the track here. It's not on our um, no, it's not. released calendar, but... Um, <laughs> Laminated Denim is their next album coming out <laughs> next week. You know, I think it was, but I think I skipped it thinking it was last week's. <laughs> no, I guess not. No. <laughs> Wild. So, yeah. Um, oh, oh, yeah. And um, they put out two other albums earlier this year. <laughs> so they just keep, like, jamming away. Like, someone hits record, and they just jam, and it's like, yeah, that's good enough for an album. Put that out? Yeah, why not? But it's like good jam sessions. It's, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, if you're yeah. into like weird, fascinating psychedelic music that like <laughs> just whiplashes yeah. you all the way around, there you go. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here. <laughs> all right. With that, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on right into video games, and we always start with yes. new releases. Uh, first up, Asteragos: colon, Curse of the Stars oh. for everything but the Switch. Yep. You'll see a lot of that this week. Yep. Um, just like NHL 23, yep. it's hockey time, everything yes. but the Switch. Note, this week is the early access if you pre-ordered the game, or if you have EA whatever. Next week is the full release, retail release of NHL 23. Or EA Origins. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah get your get your hockey on if you bought it early. Yep, because hockey starts hockey uh, season. this week, I think. Right around the corner. Yep. Uh, we also have No More Heroes 3 for everything but the Switch. That's because, because the Switch came, already it. came out last year, yes. Yeah. Earlier this year, I guess. Yep. Uh, PG... Year. Yeah, that was the last year. Last year. Yeah. Uh, PGA Tour. Hey. 2K23 uh, for everything but the Switch. It's golf time. This is the second year that 2K has had the PGA Tour license. Yep. And this is also the people who brought you that other game, that other golf game that you liked. Uh, the other PGA, or no, the other, uh... I forget what it was called, but they made... Yeah, the 2K. It was a game. studio, but yeah, the studio specifically making it for 2K was a studio that put out a golf game, a good golf game, before they got the PGA license, and then they started making PGA games based on that engine. Oh, okay. And I don't remember, I swear you played it. I don't remember what it was called, though. Oh, it's probably like the Pandemic Yeah, it was game. like the one over 2020 golf game. Yeah. I forget what it was called, but yes. Alright. We also have the last Auric Coup. I think I said that right. Yeah, I don't know. Or Ori Crew uh, for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. That's your new generation. Yeah. Uh, WRC Generations <laughs> for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. Racing. Dragon Ball colon The Breakers <laughs> for every everything, including the Switch. That's everything. I want this badly to be a Dragon Ball uh, surfing game, but I know it probably isn't. No, it is not. <laughs> it is yet another fighting game through the canon of Dragon Ball. I see. Uh, there's also Nickelodeon Kart Racers 3, colon, Slime Speedway, coming out for everything. Yep. 
thank Kotar for their everything but the PC. And lastly, Scorn. It's for, Scorn. For the Xbox Series <laughs> X and PC. Yeah, this game looks weird. I don't know what this is. Gross. Looks gross. Anyways. And that's on Game Pass. Uh, that's way. a Game Pass game? Yeah, also, if you want to play Scorn. Alright. That's a Game Pass game. Anyways, let's get some video game news. Yeah. And we had a Nintendo Direct-ish. Well, we had a Pokemon trailer. That was not framed as a Direct at all. But it was long. It was long. It was longer than anyone expected it to be. Yeah. So a new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet trailer was shown. Uh, was showing off the various quests that a player can take on during the game. The that's why I think it's a direct. Yeah. Fourteen minute trailer. It didn't say the word direct. It just said new trailer. Uh, which is viewable below. Yeah. Well, that's right here. <laughs> uh, also revealed, Ferrigraph. 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 Yeah, the evolution of Giraffarig. Gir- yes. Those are those are actual <laughs> Pokemon names. Oh yeah, I love Giraffarig. That was one of my favorites back in the day. Because it has like the, the face on the back end. Right, exactly. Well, now the back end face is on the front end and has a face inside of it. Yes, uh, like I thought. It, I thought it was like one eating it, but also oh. like a space helmet. Perigraph. <laughs> yes, perigraph. <laughs> yeah, perigraph. Yes, uh, which is a Pokemon that which Girafferig. Yes. Debuted back in the Pokemon Gold and Silver games. Girafferig also a palindrome. Yeah, that must be why. Perigraph, <laughs> also a palindrome. Uh, okay. <laughs> they keep doing it. They keep doing it. <laughs> the trailer also included more footage of terrestrializing. Yes. The new mechanic uh, that's unique to the Paldea region. Pokemon will appear in the wild with a sparkling effect if they can terrestrialize. So the Pokemon have an extra type, yes. which can be, not always, but can be different from their standard type. For example, a Pokemon that's usually a fire type could become water type through terrestrializing. Right, so you could catch catch somebody off guard if they were like coming in with a team that was built to destroy you uh, by changing type all of a sudden, and then you have an advantage. It's a neat mechanic. Yes. Players can now make, quote, Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Uh, for the Pokemon during picnics. Um, it's the same it's, as the curry from Sword and Shield. We'll that's say. what I. Yeah. yeah. I was like, it's not like the Pokemon Mix Cafe. Uh, that's a different game. <laughs> uh, which appears to, as you mentioned, replace the curry making mechanic from the Sword and Shield games. Sandwiches can be used to make encountering Pokemon or certain Pokemon types easier. Yeah. Players can give their Pokemon the Let's Go command, which I think is the best command of yeah. this new generation, which will send the player's first Pokemon out for automatic battles. So, this is has been extremely key to Pokemon fans, because I feel like after Arceus, they're now their dividing line between how people want their Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. There's the old school camp that are like, that was too different, I want classic Pokemon battles. And there's the new school of camp where like, well, now I can't go back. I like this new version of Pokemon Battles. Why would I go back? Right. This is interesting because this is like a compromise. No, it's not fully the Arceus system. But at least it has a piece of it that people like, which is let's just have somebody out. 
If I see something, boom, we're in battle. My Pokemon's already out. It's battling. Mm-hmm. So people who want that will get that. And people who don't, don't have to issue this command. Yeah, it's a separate command. Yeah. It's, neat. Um, it's a neat idea. I think this is very key for people really like adapt like adapting this game to their own play style. See, I think it helps with grinding. If you yeah. want to get your Pokemon leveled up, you just run around like, yeah. go, battle yeah. that guy, go, yeah. battle that yeah. guy. And I don't have to sit there and do the impromptu commands to... <laughs> Like, destroy them in one hit when I know Pokemon's going to go out and kind of, like, one-shot them. It's a neat idea. Throw it out there, kill the Pokemon, and come back. <laughs> kill. All right, I'm sorry. Make it Make paint. paint. Faith uh, the Pokemon. Unconscious the Pokemon. KO. KO. Knock them out. Yeah, but I can't capture them after they've been KO'd for some reason. <laughs> they have to be living. Anyways. Uh, uh, where are we? It's always living when they're knocked out. It's not... I'm sure people have died in boxing rings, but most of the time they don't. Yeah, but most of the time, like, you can't, like, capture a Pokeball after. <laughs> Pokeballs don't exist. How would you have tested this? What do you mean? Wait, are you talking about the boxing metaphor? Yes! Oh, I'm talking about, like, the actual Pokemon oh. metaphor. <laughs> what are you talking like, about? I can, like, when a boxing knocked out, you can't catch it with a Pokeball. I'm like, yeah, no! No, like when a Pokemon's knocked out, you can't catch him with a Pokeball. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you can't. Yeah. You're right. I didn't think about that. Huh. Yeah, they just, like, disappear. Which is weird because yeah, they, they so... can't go. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, just drag them off the street. Exactly. <laughs> like, anyway. Like, I, I know I, I, like, I basically, like, over-surfed and murdered this Pokemon, but I can't <laughs> capture it because it got washed away with the tide. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> somehow. It's gone. Yeah. Anyway. So anyways, uh, the trailer also showed off the various bases that players can visit. These bases will feature challenges for the players to take on, including boss battles. Yeah, kind of like the totem battles in uh, Sun and Moon. Yeah. Is what it reminds me. In the Alola region. Yeah. Yep. The new TM machine. This is my favorite bit. Let players <laughs> make TMs using materials that Pokemon drop after battles. Yes. <laughs> TMs are technical machines. Yes. Teach new moves for certain Pokemon. And yes, it does mean that this is officially the technical machine machine. Yes. Which is on purpose. The, like, the, 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 the official Pokemon account tweeted technical machine machine, which means that it's canon, that it is redundant, just yes. like when people call it an ATM yeah, machine. Yes. I love this. <laughs> I love not only the idea of it, of the name, because it's hilarious to me, but also, this is a really cool mechanic. Yeah. This is a really cool way. Like I like I don't necessarily love games that make you craft things, but this is an interesting way of using a crafting mechanic in a really accessible way. This is using a crafting mechanic in something that you're already doing, which is going yes. out and battling Pokemon. Already battling Pokemon, it gives you an extra incentive to do so mm-hmm. if, for example, you're in that scenario you were describing earlier, where your Pokemon's so overpowered that you're just gonna like toss get the battles over with. Yeah. Uh, this gives another reason for you to do that. It also gives people a reason to actually use TMs instead of like right. trying to like spend money for them. Oh yeah, that too. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think it's a really cool move. Because like um, I know that like when I play, like I kind of like bypass TMs because I want to save the money for other stuff. Yeah. Whether it's potions or ropes or. Here's my heels. question though: Are these TMs the classic version where they break after one use? Or are they the modern TMs from Sword and Shield that are permanent? See, that's the I don't thing, know. though, is that 
Because it's a crafting mechanic, I'm I assume you can no. craft more. Yeah, I'm betting no, and that's why I think you you're right. You can craft more than one item. It seems like almost like a yeah. compromise between those two ideas, which right. is like, yes, they do break like they used to, but if you really want another one, you can go get it. Mm -hmm. It's a neat compromise, potentially, if that's the way it works. But uh, yeah, we'll find out more in a month, uh, because yeah, this game's a month away in yeah. November, so get excited. Yeah, and this game... Um, Seems very big. Scarlet and Violet, I'm, I'm hyped. Uh, I'm back where I was yeah. before Sword and Shield, where I was like, Arceus wasn't for me, now I'm back on. Yeah, like, Arceus, I, mean, I never finished Arceus, but it was definitely for me. I like the running around in different yeah. regions. I like the classic style better. Yeah. Uh, I'm old school like that with Pokemon. I like that it used to be easy. Give me easy Pokemon. I don't want hard. I'm not looking for a challenge. You can have that in Arceus. I'm not looking for a hard time. That, that's why I like a lot of the cats in here, like the yeah. Let's Go Command, like the Terrestrializing. It looks like Which, they tried the Terrestrializing yeah. is going to get very interesting when it yeah. comes to um, the uh, actual like Pokemon uh, championships. Yeah. To where like you're going to put a Pokemon out and like, oh, this can Terrestrialize. Yeah. What do you think it's going to be? It's, it's Every single thing that they've revealed about Scarlet and Violet seems like the entire... Uh, theory behind making this this generation was let's give the people who want to challenge options to make it more challenging. Mm -hmm. Let's be, give the people who want an easier time options to make it easier instead of just choosing one path, which is smart. Because I feel like they've heard for years now fans complaining, oh, it's too easy. Make it harder. And I think this is finally them letting them like, all right, fine. We're going to give you three different things you can do in this game Choose the path that you think you want to do. And that's smart. Because they, they really don't want... Uh, Pokemon don't want people playing the Nuzlocke version. <laughs> so, or do they? Because I feel like that went back and forth a couple times. I thought yeah. they really came out like in the past they two came out weeks. And said, yeah, and said, like, no, that was a misinterpretation. You can play the game however you want. Yeah, they just frown upon you using the Nuz... Playing it as the Nuzlocke version. <laughs> and, and, like, depending on who you ask, I guess, uh, the Pokemon company has different feelings about it. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll have more to talk about, I guess, when that game comes out. Because I imagine there's a whole not a whole lot more they can show. Uh, we've seen. Yes, they can. <laughs> okay, what? The final evolutions for the starter Pokemon. Oh, yeah, you're right. We still do not still know, know what they look like at the end. Uh, I hope Sprigatito stays on all four of those legs. <laughs> don't we all? All right, let's move on. All right, let's move on to the other actual big release from this past week Overwatch yeah, 2 did you call that a release well <laughs> we can call it a release because it was actually released but Blizzard can yeah. call it an apology uh -huh. because they are out there apologizing for Overwatch 2's rocky launch and axed a policy requiring all players to have a phone number attached to their Battle.net account in order to access the game which is false because I played <laughs> this yesterday and I still had to put in a phone number Oof. In a post on Blizzard's forums, the Overwatch team addressed the multiple issues users have been experiencing since the free-to-play game's launch on Tuesday and outlined its plans to fix them. Quote, While millions of players have been enjoying the game, the launch has not met your and or our expectations. First, we want to apologize to our players. We expected the launch of Overwatch 2 to go smoothly. We hold ourselves to a higher standard, and we are working hard to resolve the issues you are experiencing, said yeah. 
Blizzard, the company. So it seems like anecdotally, this was pretty much everybody who was trying to get into a game of Overwatch 2 on launch day was basically hit with loading screens forever, couldn't maybe got like redirected to the title screen a few times, mm-hmm. uh, maybe got told they were joining and then immediately booted. It seemed like it was a disaster trying to get into a game, if you could even sign up. Like, like we said, people were having trouble with even sign up for Battle.net in order to even get into the game. So, yeah, the QR yeah. code for the Battle.net didn't work, so I had to like type in Battle.net to get there. And then I still had to put in a phone yeah. number in order to launch the game. And like, to a certain extent, this is understandable. Online games routinely are hard to launch. They're like always buggy and uh, full, like full, at full capacity on day one because, of course, they are especially free to play games. But here's the two reasons why I think that this is kind of inexcusable. One, you are Blizzard. You probably have more experience with server load on launch day than arguably any developer in video game in modern video games because World of Warcraft has existed since two thousand four, two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. So, like, there's no excuse at this point. You've done this so many times that, like, we're, you should be to the point where you can, like, get that, like, that estimate, like, estimate what your load is going to be and plan accordingly. And the second reason is Overwatch 1 is gone as of launch day for Overwatch 2. That game is shut down. So people who even wanted to play the original have to and are forced now to play 2. So that's a existing user base that you're also like prohibiting from playing your game so one day you can play it day two you can't all of a sudden because they opened up the floodgates and and now everybody wants to try it you had to know that was happening so as much as i want to be like this is how this happens to online games this is sad i think blizzard is actually right the statement is like they absolutely need to hold themselves to a higher standard they need to be up here because they're Blizzard. They've been doing online games for over almost 20 years. Yes, but you do realize that their reputation has gone from all the way up there. That is true. Down to down here. This is not helping their reputation, too. If they were really hoping that Overwatch 2 was an opportunity for them to press the reset button on their brand, their image, Overwatch as a game, it didn't do it. It still doesn't, do, it's still not doing it. Maybe it's easier today as of this recording uh, to get into a game of Overwatch 2 and maybe it'll get easier as it goes on because that's just how these things usually work. But for now, this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'll get right to my Overwatch thoughts on this. Yeah. So you did this. I tried to play. Tried. Well, I, mean, I eventually did get to play it. Okay. But um, but when you first log in, you give the option, do you want to just go right away or do you want to start the tutorial? I said, here's the tutorial shot. See what they would do for a tutorial. Yeah. Um, I kept getting kicked out because the server kept resetting. <laughs> the tutorial was on the server and yeah. not on the, yeah. the system. All of it's on so the server. <laughs> every time like the server had to be reset, I had to go back to the beginning of the tutorial. There was no like checkpoint. Uh, so eventually, I was like, okay, screw this. I don't want to do this. Keep doing this. So yeah. like, I had to stop doing the tutorial, even though like you get like extra like points and stars or coins or whatever for it. Um, and I started playing the game, but when I was playing, they locked out like over half the roster because they want you to play the game, and then after you play after you play a game, they'll unlock the next character, 
and unlock the next character. You win again, you unlock a new character. Um, so everyone, like, starting out on Tuesday had the same roster. So you're seeing the exact same people over and over again, but people just wanted to get through it to try and unlock everyone <laughs> to get to your favorite character. Like some of your favorites, like Tracer, like D.Va, yeah. um, that were popular characters from the first game, were automatically blocked from Overwatch 2. Uh, it's, but I, in terms of like actual gameplay, it plays like Overwatch. I'm kind of like, like, because I, I remember playing Overwatch like when it first came out and then like slowly died off and it got like very competitive. Um, but it plays like Overwatch. It moves fast. Everyone's got their own unique abilities. It's first person League of Legends. If that's like the <laughs> easiest way to describe it. And I was having um, interesting challenge times. Maybe I should have... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, like you almost said fun, then you didn't say fun, and you said interesting challenge times. Because like I feel like I should have gone into like a, like the training or the demo to like yeah. go through all the characters to find out who I like to play as yes. instead of instead of just trying just trying to trying to build a match. Of, right. Like okay, like this guy, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Like oh, is this what this person actually does? Yeah. I've been using it wrong the whole time. Well, that's a wild thing about this is that you know it has a two on it. it seems like it's just Overwatch with one less person on the team. It's one less person on the team, <laughs> and there's uh, like three or four new characters. Yeah, but otherwise, the same most of the same maps. It's mostly the same maps. Same mechanics, largely. Yeah, uh, battle passes there. There's no loot boxes. Which... Right, because they've gone completely to a pay yes. battle pass. Yes, in the video game world, loot box is a. Um, a death sentence word. Yes, I know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's why they're all battle passes. So it's Overwatch, is what I'm gathering. It's Overwatch. <laughs> uh, it plays like Overwatch. Um, I did have trouble with the queue um, in order to get in. Uh, it said, "Oh, you're like behind 399 other people ah! trying to get in to play oh. right now." Um, it took about 10 minutes just to get in, but still, like. When you're sitting on that front screen, like you have everything logged in, and then it says, oh, you want to play the game? I'm sorry. There's over 100 people still trying to play the game in front of you. Yeah. Uh, it moved fast to get it, but it, at one point it did kick me out back to that screen. Uh, so I think they're getting better on their servers. <laughs> I think they're opening more stuff up to it. I but, mean, yeah. Over time it gets yeah. better and better because more people start dropping off and there are used to the load like they they improve their servers they make sure mm -hmm. i mean i'm no expert on this subject but my assumption is is that the technology yeah like it gets better as it goes on because they learn from their experience running it yeah during the high peak times so yeah it's only going to get easier to play games but honestly when you're in there is there enough different and new about Overwatch 2 yet to warrant no, a nothing fresh look? New, no, nothing yeah. new, nothing different. Like, are we really going to wait until the the PvE, the single-player stuff, comes out for this to feel new? I think so. And that's not until next year. Right. They um, already wrote that out. It's just Blizzard really wanted this to be, like I said, their reset. The, the reset. This was supposed to be... No, it'll be okay. We'll put out Overwatch 2, the sequel to Overwatch, one of the bigger games that came out in the year that it came out. But it doesn't feel like it's there. It doesn't no. feel like they like they, they have enough offered here for it to really truly feel like a big deal. I don't know. It's disappointing. Yeah, um 
I might play it this week, but that thing's <laughs> gonna keep me yeah. coming back. It's it's Overwatch. Yeah, it's Overwatch. It's Overwatch again. There you go. Um, oh, I did play it on the Switch and the PS5. Yeah. Noticeable difference. For those of you out there. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Uh, but I mean, I only downloaded it because it was I, it's a free game to download. Right. You can download it. You can play it. You can also like un uh, delete it very real easy, real quickly. So yeah. it's there. It's free. Yeah. But just note that if you're going to do the free, you're going to have to sign up, and then it's free for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah. You're going to start from the base. So yeah. enjoy your limited roster until you play a couple matches, and yeah. may or may not get sick of losing every single time. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. On that note, uh, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, what other game, video games, uh, do we have this week's play? Uh, play. This is all you this week. Yeah. Uh, you messed around with a couple other things. So I played some more Splatoon three. Yes. Um, I'm probably gonna return it. Or actually, do you want it? You want to try uh, it out? <laughs> Take it for this a week. This week's not a good week for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pretty busy. Okay. So just return it. All right. It'll be okay. Because right, I'm probably going to return this. Um, yeah. I played a couple of matches. I kept getting confused between the diving button and the shooting ah, button. Maybe it's, a maybe it's a problem. But maybe, I mean, it's also because I was like, switched from like Overwatch back to it. Right. So it may take me some more time to like actually get into it. Uh, but I was doing a lot of the single player challenges, um, the quote unquote story mode. Right. Um, and it's not battling, it's uh, puzzles. It's all like yeah. Splatoon, um, Ink puzzles shooting stuff up walls and using your squid-like powers to move around. Cool. Uh, it's fun. I like the puzzling mechanic of it, but there's also a lot to do, and I'm just not having the time or <laughs> fun that I thought I was having, like, uh, figuring them out. Yeah. It, they seem like very continuous puzzles of, you just need to go here, collect this. Is it up there? Squirt up a wall. Squirt your ink up a wall. Your uh -huh. paint. Squirt your paint up a wall and use your squid powers it's to go ink. up. See? Is it ink or is it They're squids. Okay. That's what I think is ink. Yeah, we paint the map, so. Yeah, paint, ink paint. Yeah, ink, ink paint. Pink. Paint. Pink. Paint. Pink. Paint. Pink. Yeah. Pink ink. <laughs> anyway, so it's interesting comparison here then. Well, which one would you rather play at this point then? Splatoon 3 or Overwatch 2? Uh. <laughs> Overwatch, probably Overwatch 2 because it moves faster and I have a lot variety of characters that I can swap between. Okay. Uh, but Splatoon 3 is... It's a Splatoon game. It's... It gets easier the more you play it. Yeah. But it can also get very rote the more you play it because you are... You find your loadout that you want uh, in terms of like your, your brush or your paint gun. And you're going through the same maps, whereas Overwatch 2, sometimes you're a healer, sometimes you can be a tank, sometimes you can right. go around and shoot. It's, it, you have that variety in Overwatch 2 that's, that's not true. very whole lot in Splatoon 3. Fair enough. Then, then yeah, they're different enough games. They're different enough games where they're not going yeah. to have a, a very huge overlap. Well, all right. Yep. So that'll probably be it for Splatoon 3 here on the podcast. But... Yes. You looked up and saw the stars. The PlayStation stars. Yes. It launched this week. It launched this week. And, oh boy, did I have trouble even trying to find this thing. So just real quick, uh, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, PlayStation stars is Sony's PlayStation rewards program, mm -hmm. essentially, where you do things um, in the PlayStation environment and you earn points that can later be traded in 
four things. So you have down here that you've done some math for us to see exactly how the points match up to things. Yes, you can actually end up buying points in order okay. to get stuff. Uh, five dollars gets you about gets you a thousand two hundred fifty points. Okay. Uh, twenty dollars will get you about give you five thousand points. So you can sidetrack the entire like achievement style earning points thing if you want to, and just straight up, nah, give me five thousand points. Exactly, which makes the whole kind of like achievement thing a little bit moot. Yeah, and what are the things you're getting with the points? Uh, you can either get like uh, the tokens or like little statues that and these are all display digital. digital statues don't digital display you don't physically get anything uh it's very similar to like the astrobot um, right reward stuff it's old playstation like old playstation old sony items yeah um, different uh like sony related okay gems and tokens and stuff got it um you can also buy actual games with it but the actual ah. games um aren't that good huh. you say i'll tell you how good they are i don't remember any of them it wasn't one of them that said, like, oh, yeah, like, I could probably, like, get enough coins to want to get this, but no. No. Um, no. Plus, also, the games were, like, uh, 10,000 points. Uh-huh. So you spent $40 anyways in it. <laughs> so it's not really worth it. It's not really worth it. So what are the kind of things that you can do to get stars instead of paying for them? Did you... For example, how many points did you get just by doing your usual PlayStation thing? Um, well, because I logged in and played a game in the first week, uh-huh. I got 50 points. Okay. Uh, so they're weekly points and then monthly totals and then like overall totals as well. But the weird thing about it is that you had to sign up and download the PlayStation app to your phone. Right. It's only through the phone app. Yes. But in doing so, there is no direct button to get to PlayStation Stars. <laughs> you got to go through the PlayStation blog oh, no. to go to the PlayStation Stars page. Because <laughs> I was looking on the phone for like a good 10 minutes trying to figure like where the hell where it is do I point yeah. to like just the stars so I can track everything. Not in my profile, not on any like the lower uh, buttons. Uh, one of the things I do like about the PlayStation app though, sidebar, very intuitive. You can like immediately buy a game, immediately download yeah. to your system. Yeah. Uh, it moves very fast. Uh, very good interface. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I wish more stuff was like this. Yeah, it's really intuitive. Except yeah. it doesn't have a damn button to go straight to PlayStation Stars. Yeah, that's dumb. I'm sure they'll add that as, sure as the system continues. I mean, they just launched it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm assuming that it's just so new that they haven't really ironed out all the quirks. But, um... Do you think this is at all going to like entice no, people nope, nope, nope. to this play more play PlayStation games? Because nope, this is just them playing catch up. Yeah, I'm thinking like on a base level, I am that consumer that they're trying to convince because I am in a situation right now where I have both a PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. You know what I play more? The, the Xbox. Xbox because it has more storage room because I got the storage expansion and Game Pass. I just, yeah, my PS5 doesn't get played nearly as much. And mm-hmm. so I think that I am the consumer they want to entice with a program like this. Because, like you're saying, like if I get points just by playing games in the PlayStation ecosystem, and if I have something on the other end of that that I want to buy with those points, then on paper, yeah. I should play more games on PlayStation. But, but here's the thing, thing, is what you're describing on the other end of those points doesn't interest me at all. 
It's not even that any game that you play. It's you have to play these specific games. Yeah. Like right now for the week, it's either the week or month. It's specifically fighting games. Nice. Play these five fighting games, <laughs> and you'll get extra points. And Microsoft does something similar with their rewards program and Game Pass. There are reward things that are happening under the hood for Game Pass games. That's like play this specific Game Pass game this week, and we give you some points. But like they don't surface it in the same way as the Stars program. It's like kind of under the hood. So yeah, I don't know. It's like they're yeah, you're right. They're they're playing catch up in a way. But I just I was hoping on the other end of this that there would be something way more exciting uh, to, instead of just like a digital tchotchke that I can look at. And it doesn't sound like there is. No, I mean it's a good. Is this it? Actually, no, is it? Oh, there it is. They added it. Okay. They added it. They added it. thing. Now. Yeah, the little stars logo. But yeah, okay. like there's different campaigns that yeah. happen. It's a neat concept. Like I said last Let's week. Check in. I love any idea. Like, like I love rewards programs as a concept because it does entice you to stay in the ecosystem to do more things. Yeah, like it but, takes two, 10,000 points. But like I said last week. The end of that road has to be good because otherwise, what are you saving these points for? Mm -hmm. You're saving these points for some sort of you know, giant question mark in the future that maybe something eventually that you want. Right, and, but maybe. even like the games but, that you could buy are games that came out a yeah. while ago. Like Hades is on here for six thousand something points. Yeah, which is what twenty five bucks. Yeah, which is yeah. probably more expensive than it probably is on the store. Right. It's just, yeah, it's weird how they're doing this. Yeah, and there's only like six games here. Yeah. Otherwise, you get like digital collectibles, which right now is going through Apescape. Yeah, <laughs> and the last thing I want is a digital collectible. Right. Anyway, so interesting in theory. Hopefully, they'll refine it as it goes on. It just launched, so let's give them a little time, I guess, if we must. Um, but for now, it's just not, there's nothing really telling me you need to start earning PlayStation points. Oh. Um, there's also some like <laughs> riddles where like you need to play specific games, but it doesn't okay. tell you what the specific game is. Tell you what it is. That's funny. Yeah, um, it's a riddle uh, right now of like play a game matching a 1994 song. <laughs> That's funny. But it doesn't tell you what game it is. I'm yeah. Sure you go go online and say like, oh, it's just this game, this game, this game. But if you're not gonna look online, you're gonna try to figure it out yourself. You're basically bonging your head against the wall. Also, it'll be interesting if like all these games are available on uh, PlayStation Extra or PlayStation Premium. Right. Then you will have access to these games. Otherwise, if there's a game out there that's not on either of them, and you have to go out and buy the game, you're just spending more money for digital coins that eventually you may use. Yeah. So, like, yeah, this one you have you showed me was like. All these are hints towards like nineteen songs that were charting in nineteen ninety four. Right, and, and so for example, more. the one that says "More Human Than Human," I bet is "Fire Up Detroit, Become Human." Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. That's yeah. So it's like you have to think. Yeah, that's I guess a clever idea. But again, how many points do you get for this thing? Probably like a hundred. Not right. enough. You don't get anything for that. Yeah. So, anyways. No, no, you do get. You get the digital version of the Sony Cord Machine from nineteen ninety two. But I don't want the digital version of the Sony Cord machine. It's not even a digital version. It's like a digital, like, a trophy. Like a trophy thing. Like, no one wants these things, Sony. Anyways, all right. That's enough talk about stars. We'll check in if they do anything interesting with it. But honestly, it sounds like they need to really work on why this is important. Yeah. 
right, let's move on to the second half of the show here. We always start television with Sports Corner. And boy, do we have a Sports Corner for you this week. Yes, the end of baseball as we know yes. it. Yes, well, no. It's the playoffs. Uh, the playoffs officially <laughs> well, as, started. As we know it, as, as your hat knows we it. Know, as my hat knows it, yeah. We're, my hat and I are waiting until next season for this business. <laughs> but in the meantime, playoff baseball is happening, and it's already a blast. Especially for Aaron Judge, who right before the playoffs started, hit that 60-second home run, which means he is now the home run leader for the American League. Yes. All time. Yep. Um, he passed uh, Roger Maris, mm-hmm. and then could have gotten more, but decided to sit out the last game of the season. Well, people started actually walking him, thank God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, people finally figured out in the last two weeks of the season, we can walk here and judge. Like, we don't have to give him we the record. We don't have to pitch to him. <laughs> wow. It's like, all of a sudden, everybody had the same idea at the same time. Idiots. Anyway, so yes, Aaron Judge is now your leader. Congratulations to Judge. And the other um, home run watch, Albert Pujols, ended with 702. But his career is technically not over because they're in the playoffs. He is in the playoffs, yes. Yes. And Aaron Judge is also, but yes. um, His, since this is a total, Pujols is total, then that will continue. Yes, Judge is within a season, not including playoffs, whereas uh, Pujols is career total. So his may continue to rise. We'll see. But yes, the playoff picture as it stands right now, here are your uh, teams from the American League in the playoffs. Astros, Yankees, Guardians, Blue Jays, Mariners, and the Rays. The National League has the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cardinals, the Nets, the Padres, and the Phillies. Right now, as we speak, the wild card games are in progress. We had games ones yesterday. We had Mariners take a lead inexplicably uh, with a shutout game. Or almost shut out. I think they, they did end up scoring. I think they got the one. Yeah. They got one at the end. But yes, the Mariners somehow pulled it out uh, against the Blue Jays, uh, yeah. giving them a one-game lead. The Guardians uh, defeated the Rays uh, with a 2-1 game. Uh, yeah. Very tight. Uh, the Phillies and the uh, the Phillies ended up winning against the Cardinals after a very tight pitcher's duel for the first half. Oh, no, Seattle did get the shutout. 4-0. Oh, they did? Okay, I was wrong. Oh, yeah, they almost got a run at the mm-hmm. end there. And then the Padres took it against the Mets in a 7-1 to one blowout. Yes, Slave Diego is back. <laughs> yeah, so don't sleep on these wildcard teams is what I'm saying. It looks like there's some power coming from places we did not expect. Yes. Um, I'm especially excited for Seattle, of course, with the Mariners coming to the playoffs. That ends the longest playoff drought in sports. Yep. Uh, we talked about that last week. So they already have one game under the, their belt. Later today, we will see if they can take game two and go further into yep. the playoffs. Best of a three-game series. Yes, best of a three-game series. So if if their uh, same team wins again today, they take it. So there might not even be game threes. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, the teams that are waiting for them on the other side are the more established, clinched teams. So those games will be interesting to watch. Yeah, well. your Astros, Yankees. Yeah. Uh, Dodgers and Braves all got first yes. round buys. So we will see uh, what happens when um, we move on to that step. Man, I I want to believe in the Mariners. I, the like, iPod curse is lifted. Yes. I, I, so during the season, not happy with the Mariners, especially for that brawl. You know, it wasn't great. Yes. But after the season, let's turn this around. Let's imagine there's a fat M on here because I want them to take it. Well, I want them to you go. You want the S? 
Yeah, I, I guess, yes, is right. I was thinking in Mariners. Yes, yes uh, that's for Seattle. Yes, so I'm hoping that they... Uh, Seattle. Yes, exactly. Seattle, like the Starbucks. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping that they beat the, the Astros because no one wants to see the Astros. So let's let's see them take this wild card all the way. See if they can do it. I wonder what the odds are. <laughs> Probably not in their favor. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> but anyways... So yeah, uh, exciting playoff time. So we'll see, and we'll have more news next week as we see a better picture of what it looks like. Yes, and... Uh, and lastly, in MLB news... Yes, our hometown hero, Shohei Otani, qualifies as a pitcher and a hitter in the leaderboards. Yes, in order to uh, officially be on the leaderboard, you have to have, as a pitcher, pitched at least one inning for every game. So yes. there's 162 games. You have to pitch for at least 162 innings. For the hitters, yes. in order to qualify as a hitter, you have to hit at least 504? Something like that. I, I think it's 502 or 504 at-bat plate appearances. Yeah, he did both. And he finally did both in the same <laughs> season. So this is another time where we're going to bring this up. Shohei right. Otani does something impossible. Also, but also... All right, who do you think really it's going to be? Is it the 62 home runs for Aaron Judge for MVP, or do you think they wake up and realize that what Otani is doing has never been done? Uh, so, because Aaron Judge technically lost the uh, triple crown <laughs> uh, due to his batting average yeah. um, slinking uh, ever so slightly within the last couple of games, yeah, uh, you, someone's going to look at it and say, well, he didn't do the triple crown. And yeah. Shohei did the, is the first person to ever do this. Yeah. So, and I'm hoping that's the way they think yeah. as well. I just don't know. The momentum coming off of a 62 home run season, though, yes. is hard to dispute. Okay. It's going to be very tricky. I don't think it's going to be unanimous, is what I'm saying, like it was last year. Otani will at least get one vote because yeah. of the guy in Boston who doesn't want to get to Aaron Judge. <laughs> right, yes. But... <laughs> same way as um, that, some guy in Boston, the same one who didn't give Derek Jeter right. one Hall of Fame vote yes. to become unanimous. <laughs> So yeah, I imagine it's going to be a very tight race, unlike last year. I yeah. think that there's there's an argument in both camps. I think Eric Judge is still the favorite. I think so, win. because just like you said, pure momentum. Yeah. And but, the fact that he's in the playoffs. Yes. Unlike Shohei Otani. Yeah, but especially Shohei to get some Cy Young love. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and we didn't mention, I don't know if we mentioned this this week, but he did sign for a full another season next week. Uh, $30 next million year. Dollars one year with the Angels. So yeah, if they will not go to arbitration with Shohei, he will be here for a year. Uh, no matter what, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does with that last. <laughs> I'm just assuming it's going to be his last season as an angel. Hey, there's um, no way we pony up the money to keep him. I mean, unless we, we get have... a new owner that is like a billionaire, which is possible. It's possible. Um, he could sell because everyone wants him out. It seems like they want to sell. Yes, they, he said as much in the summer. Yeah, uh, but but we did hire Phil Nevin. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and that's the other thing that happened. Yes, is that we the interim manager is now the. Manager, manager. Yes. Mr. Manager. As it should be. So, yeah, uh, enough about baseball. But, yeah, we will report next week when we uh, when the wild cards wrap up and we have our rest of our playoff picture here. Yeah. Moving on. Into side sports. Yeah, this is a sport. Chess. The chess world has been on fire this week as Hans Niemann has been accused of cheating during his chess matches. In no less than 100 chess Ooh, matches. Yikes. How do you cheat at chess? Um, you click away from the tab. <laughs> no, in real life. 
No, no, that's what they do. Is that chess.com tracks it and tracks the movement. So like when you click away from a tab and click back, it what it does is that it tracks the odds of you playing a move. Huh. So like if you play um like it's think of it like a bell curve of like the average person would play this move or the average grandmaster would play this move like as you move up. But then you get to like way off the scale of like oh you're playing moves of like like, no normal person would ever play. This seems like a robot is doing this. Yes. Yeah. And, like, you can consistently do it. Either you're yourself a robot <laughs> and have this thinking problem. It's a capture. But <laughs> the feat, like, the number one grand uh, grandmaster, yeah. Magnus Carlsen, like, using it, <laughs> um, people start to raise alarms. Uh-huh. And so that's what's happening. Sounds like it. Um, yeah, so... The chess world came out and rocked by scandal. Jeez. Um, not too dissimilar if you've been on social media. Fishing world also rocked by scandal of <laughs> adding weights to fish. How dare you? How dare you, fishermen? So yeah, two um, very like not high profile uh, sport <laughs> yeah. events, but interesting nonetheless. Got rocked by cheating scandals thanks you, to social media being pushed everywhere. It. You hate to see it. All right, let's move on yeah. uh, to the world of football. A football uh, legend, Terry Bradshaw. Titan a, icon. Yep. yep. Has announced cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Surprise announcement during this uh, past Sunday show that he's been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, that's a sad one. Is he going to continue? Uh, he's going to try. Yeah. He's going to try to continue uh, casting. Well, yes. I mean, he's only worked the one day a week. Right. But yeah. That, that's just never, you never want to hear that, especially for somebody who is getting older yeah uh, it's definitely not a great time uh, well it's never a great time for cancer but especially not now uh so yeah this is sad and uh yeah our, our thoughts go out to him and his family in this what must be an incredibly difficult time mm-hmm. meanwhile speaking of incredibly difficult times concussions they're no fun and yeah. the nfl players association has finally agreed to more protocol changes around concussions this follows to recent events yes uh what's the, how do you say his last name uh, to a by Loa. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, to, to a tongue time. Uh, yes, a lot. Tongue, yeah, exactly. So I listened to a podcast that described what happened, so I know what happened. Oh, um, you didn't see what happened? I did not see it, thank God. Oh my God. It sounds rough. It was yes. terrible. It looked like there was a compound uh, concussion because there was already, a, he had already received a concussion. So that's what they're changing. Yeah. Is that the previous week, in week three, he suffered a concussion. Right. Well, he was not diagnosed with a concussion. Right. He got hit hard, yeah. walked up, was wobbly. Sat out two plays and then came back in. Yeah. Should have come back in. Um, went through the week, went through a concussion protocol doctor who said he was fine. Didn't charge him with a concussion. Came out into the week four game on Thursday on little rest, on three days rest. And took a hit, fell down, hit his head against the turf and immediately froze up. Arms in the air. Yeah. You never want to see that. It's it's scary. So it's... as a result, one this past week and then this week, the NFL is on high alert for concussion and yeah. concussion like symptoms, mm-hmm. and they have agreed to change their protocol. Like I'm glad that they're taking these moves, but it really reeks of too little, too late. Yes, there are players. I mean, there's there's been documentaries about the subject. The CTE. Yeah. There's been like t- countless stories of countless football players over the decades 
living with terrible concussions because of the sport. It's just so like the like the impacts can be so dramatic and so violent that like some of these players don't recover ever from the effects that they take from these concussions. So anything the players association in the league can do to prevent this from happening to future players, absolutely needed, absolutely crucial, but but man, this is way too late. Mm -hmm. It's like it just like like I'm glad and happy that they're making these moves. But it just but sucks. In order to make those moves, something has something to happen to, to someone. Happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just like, it's just, the sport needs to really think about how they're treating their players in general. And, and that's why the NFLPA has come out and changed their yeah. protocol yeah. and then called on the NFL proper yes, to, to do something, to do something as well. I really hope they do because, yeah, you do not want to see something like that happen on television. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's disgusting. It's it's depressing. It's just it's disappointing. It's all of those things, and like, I just hope that anybody who is involved in these and like has these things happen to them recover and and get and, and yeah, because it's just it's brutal. It's brutal. Anyway, so yeah, that was that was sad to see, but at least they're making some sort of policy change. Moving on. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, sports, new sports are on the horizon. If you are a hockey or a basketball fan. Don't worry, your seasons are right around the corner. The NHL hockey season is in its preseason right now, but the proper season will start on the 11th of this month, so just a few days away. And then basketball season, the NBA will begin on October 18th, so just a week away. Yeah, so hockey begins this upcoming Tuesday, yeah. and then the following Tuesday, the NBA season officially tips off. So yeah, uh, uh, friend of the show, Christy, uh, and I were going to... Our plan was we were going to start watching basketball. Right. She's now backed off of that a little bit. Oh, no, no. When we talked about it last, she was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore. I might still do it. If I can figure out a reliably a reliable way to get it, like to, to watch games, bucks. yeah, I might try. Okay. But we'll see. I, I, haven't even, I don't even know if that's the team that I'm going to pick. Maybe I'll have to think about a team that I want to watch. <laughs> we'll see. Anyways. Pelicans. <laughs> you think I should be going on the Pelicans? Yeah. Yeah, why? Why? Sell me, sell me on the Pelicans. Zion Williamson. All right. I've heard that name. Yes. Um, former first-round pick, um, basically Baby Shaq <laughs> 2.0 because big baby Glenn Davis was Baby Shaq. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, but Zion may... NBA wants him to be the face of the league uh -huh. once LeBron finally retires. <laughs> uh, he's very like, outgoing and boisterous, unlike uh, Giannis and Kudu DeCampo. Right. Uh, and also Steph Curry's getting old, so don't be a yeah. Warriors fan. He's not, he's not. Well, I was, Speaking I, of Warriors, uh, Draymond Green, hold back your punches. Yeah, what are you doing? I don't like any of the California teams, really. I don't no, that's like, fair. Yeah, I don't like the Lakers because they won too many times. I don't like the, the Warriors because they won too many times. I, and no one cares about the Sacramento Kings. Right. <laughs> Speaking of the Kings, they are now the Sacramento Kings are now the, the sports team with the biggest drought yep. in sports history now that the Mariners made it to the playoffs. So <laughs> maybe it's the time for the <laughs> Sacramento Kings. Hey, if you get it now, get your bandwagoner. <laughs> Strike while the iron is hot, Sacramento Kings. <laughs> Anyways, that'd be really funny if I got all in on the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, maybe it's a different kind of kings. Yeah, the different kings. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, kings and kings will start their games very soon. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to television news proper now. Unless there's anything in sports we need to address. 
don't think so. Nope. Text notes. Nope. nope. Check All right. Nope. Let's move on to television news. We start with the Animation Guild. This is kind of a recurring story here on the podcast. We've been talking about the Animation Guild's uh, struggles over the last uh, couple of years since the, the, uh, the pandemic started. Well, a group of unionizing production workers at the Bob's Burgers and Central Park studio Bento Box Entertainment was voluntarily recognized after a third-party arbitrator completed a card check on September 30th. The bargaining unit of 100 workers includes those in audio coordination, development and design supervision jobs, digital supervision, writer's assistant jobs, and production coordinator roles, among others. The news arrives just months after 15 editorial employees in pre- and post-production at Bento Box Entertainment unionized with the Edgers Guild, and also after an arbitrator certified employee support for the union via a card check. So this is good news. More unionization mm-hmm. happening in the animation industry, especially after the rough news we've been hearing uh, about the anim- how uh, big studios are treating animated shows. Right, especially with uh, Cartoon Network and yes. uh, HBO Max. Yes. Just axing. Yes. The newest accent happened yesterday afternoon when it was announced that uh, what everybody thought was the most successful show on Cartoon Network right now, Craig of the Creek, mm-hmm. getting its season order cut in half, Ooh. along with its spinoff show also getting its order cut in half that has yet to premiere. Uh, the spinoff show being the, uh, the younger sister character of Craig, Jessica, is getting her own show that's aimed towards a slightly younger audience. Uh, so yeah, it had yet to the premiere. Jessica of the Jungle Gym? I don't think that's what it's called, but it's something like that. It's something about her adventure world or something. Anyways, but yeah. Um, Craig of the Creek. It's close enough, yeah. Close enough. But yeah, so both shows will still premiere on Cartoon Network this fall, but it does look like, yes, their orders were cut in half, which sucks for the people who were putting effort into making those shows. Um, disappointing. So yeah, as Warner continues to make cuts, I don't blame bento box over here under the fox umbrella being like mm-hmm. quick to be like no we need to make sure that we have our employees interests in uh like in order so that way we can fight them on these issues if it happens to us yep very important and good to see because that's what guilds do they yep. work for the workers yeah damn i could use a union right now is what i'm saying <laughs> let's move on <laughs> too small of a company really to do it but yeah uh let's move on to our second story we have an update on something we knew that was happening. A Frasier reboot. Well, I guess it's a reboot. It's definitely not a remake. Yeah, it's definitely not a remake. It's Maybe a, a sequel series, I guess you could say. Yeah. Oh, sh- shoot. I have to add something to thoughts. Okay. I just remembered. I watched that Hulu show, Reboot. Oh, can talk you watch about Reboot. It. Yes. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, add that to it. I'm not done with it, but yeah, add it to it. Anyways, um, Frasier is back? Question mark? Paramount Plus has given a series green light to the multi-camera comedy, executive produced by Kelsey Grammer, who is reprising a signature character, psychiatrist-turned-radio host Frasier Crane. Grammer, back in 2018, started fielding interest for a new Frasier series that would feature the title character in a new city, and has been the driving force behind the efforts ever since. He will be surrounded by new characters, with original Frasier cast members not expected to be series regulars, but could make guest appearances. Similar to what happened with Cheers exactly, characters. Yeah. Uh, the project was eventually set up at Paramount Plus and was announced as being in development at the streamer's February 2021 launch event. It has now formally been picked up to series. The new incarnation of Frasier comes from writers Chris Harris, who wrote on How I Met Your Mother, and Joe Cristalli, who wrote on Life in Pieces, which 
By the way, that ran for four seasons. Life in Pieces? Yeah. I thought that was a one season and out. No, that ran for four years. Oh. Yeah, like, it can't, was canceled, like, years ago, but yeah. Yeah. Who, executive produ- who will executive produce with Grammar, Tom Russo, and Jordan, McM- Jordan McMahon. The series will be produced by CBS Studios in association with Grammar's Gramnet NH Productions. So, real note, real quick note here. I asked the Frasier expert in my life, friend of the show, Christy, loves Frasier, uh, is not interested in this at all. Really? Because people who love Frasier don't love the character Frasier. Frasier is the worst part of Frasier. <laughs> That show is its extended cast. And so she was saying, yeah, uh, no uh, no side characters, and then why watch, is basically what she was saying. So I don't know how much interest Frasier, a uh, great Frasier reboot has beyond just people who still inexplicably like Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer has made a pretty good job of making himself an unlikable guy over the last decade, so... I mean, Kelsey Grammer is just being Kelsey Grammer at this yeah. point, and I'm sure right. he's been smoothing some... Exactly. Like, hey, yeah. remember when you used to watch Frasier and like it? Yeah. You can still do that. I still got it. I so, still got something left in the tank. See, I don't know if this is what people actually want from a Frasier no, reboot. But it's the people who are on Paramount Plus want. Yeah, maybe. The CBS crowd. Maybe so. But yeah, so it's kind of disappointing to see it come back in this form. Where Where's David Hyde Pierce? That's what everybody's asking. Everybody's always asking, where's David Hyde Pierce? Where is he? Uh... Somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere. Anyways. I, be... I remember the last time I saw him in anything. Yeah. So I probably won't watch this when it comes out, but hey, it exists. Moving on. Where? I'm moving on. You watch some stuff. I watch some stuff. I actually want to start with the thing I mentioned uh, because... You're talking about the reboot. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to talk about this. I did not think I would like this. So Reboot is a Hulu show that is exactly what it sounds like. No, it's not the computer animated show from our childhood. No. That's a different reboot. This reboot is about a modern reboot, not too dissimilar to a Frasier reboot. Uh, the concept is a, uh, a writer wants to revive a sitcom from, uh, from a while ago. Uh, think Full House, Fuller House. Exactly, on Hulu, on a streaming network, and modernize it for modern times, and have all the original cast back. The fake sitcom in this world uh, was a moderate success, and she thinks it'll be interesting to have a different take on it. Here's the twist, though. And they say, and this is a minor spoiler if you don't want to know anything about it going in, so just be warned. This happens at the end of the first episode, though, so it's not too much of a spoiler. The twist is, is that this person, this writer, she is actually the daughter of the creator of the original sitcom. A daughter who was disgusted that he wrote her out of basically a show that was supposed to depict his life. So the creator is basically writing as like, oh, this is this is basically me, the father character, and this is my funny sitcom life. But he notably in real life abandoned his daughter. Oh. And so she's mad and wants to write a sequel, like reboot series, about him having to face that reality of... <laughs> meeting her his estranged daughter again and it's also a way for her in real life to meet her estranged father and confront him so all this is happening so you have that kind of layer now on top of that you also have all these cast members from the original show 20 years later having to deal with their relationships their modern relationships being different than what they used to be right so you have drama between the cast members as well 
and hilarity ensues. It is a comedy. It's a little with dramedy like esque notes to it, uh, but it doesn't get overwhelming. It's mostly a comedy. Half hour. Think uh, the tone is kind. Of, yeah, it's half hour. Think the tone is somewhere between like a Arrested Development and a Veep. Okay. It's got dashes because it's about television production. It's got dashes of Thirty Rock uh, at times. It's got dashes mm-hmm. of um, of BoJack Horseman a little bit because it's also about like washed up sitcom stars right. from twenty years ago. So it's got a little bit of that vibe to it. Also expect some the same kind of inside baseball Hollywood jokes. You keep saying from twenty years ago. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah that's from the nineties. No, two thousand one, two thousand two. No, that's is about early two thousand. Where this yes. show lands, and yeah. it feels like that. This is not a Full House. This show feels like a Fox show from 2001. Okay. That's what the kind of they're going for. And yeah, it's I'm liking it more than I thought. It's funny. The jokes really hit. Uh, the, the writer character is played by Rachel Bloom, uh, post-Crazy uh, Ex-Girlfriend, yeah. and she's really good in it. Um, the casting is pretty pretty apt. Keegan-Michael Key is the yep. lead dad in it, in the, sh- in the sitcom. He's really good. Uh, really good casting, really fun show. Uh, Paul Reiser is the aging creator of the original show. <laughs> it's weird to see old Paul Reiser, yeah, but it works. It's fun. It's a fun dynamic. I like the characters and I like their dynamic together. I'm not quite caught up. The season is in the middle of right now on Hulu. It is a weekly release schedule. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's I'm having a lot more fun and really enjoying it. Uh, so if that sounds appealing, and if you like a show about the production of television, I think you'll have a lot of fun with well, it. Well, you know I do like a I know, show about I think there's a lot for you to like here. Uh, I think you should give Reboot a shot. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll catch back up at the end of the season, but so far so good. So I keep seeing like the um, commercials for it. Yeah. They keep highlighting King and Michael Key yeah. and uh, Judy Greer. Yes, Judy Greer, uh, also great in this. But now they see that Rachel Bloom's in it. I'm like, Rachel oh, Bloom is in maybe it. Maybe I should check Like I said, out. I feel like they don't want to give away the twist. Right, they bury until the, they bury the twist until the end of the episode, so they don't really want you to think like, oh, this is Rachel Bloom's show. Yeah, well, not really. It's kind of like I said, there's a balance there between what's happening with the writer and the creator and what's happening with Kaz, and of course, those intertwine by episode two. Yeah. Like they start getting mixed in and involved once the production of the show actually starts. Right. Well, starts. I think like um, they're the like. Judy Greer and he and Mike are the bigger names, bigger faces people would recognize probably yeah, more. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of that. But then, like like I said, like Bloom has her own like core audience that kind of follow with her. Yeah. I heard a boop. Do you want to check the stream and see if we have something? We got a boop? Yeah, I think we got a boop. Oh, nope, it wasn't from here. You must have had a different tab that booped. Nope, probably. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so like it's it's fun and a lot of the characters are like those those uh, archetypes that you'd expect. Um uh, Including one one that's pretty good. There, uh, the child star from the original run is now like in his twenties, yeah. but he still acts like a child star. <laughs> so his mom still shows up to the recordings. <laughs> he's like talk like he talks like he's like a teenager still. He's always trying to talk to people about like the movies that he was in when he was younger. Like it's pretty good. It's 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 very well observed comedy and it works really well. And so. this is only on Hulu. It's only on Hulu. Okay. And it's about Hulu. There's a fictional Hulu, like, in the show, in the world of the show, so they're constantly making fun of themselves, which is pretty good. Oh, the one they do that. Yeah, there's a VP of comedy that says she's not, that just says she actually hates comedy, <laughs> which is pretty good. It's a pretty good bit. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, I also watched, I wrapped up the season of A League of Their Own on Amazon. Okay. 
I'm happy to report that it was consistently good through the entire season. There were only eight episodes. It was a pretty quick watch, even though they got to an hour length in the second half. Um, it was a lot of good. It was a lot of fun. Um, very, very gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they take like something that was not addressed at all in the film, and go and make that its entire reason to exist. This show is explicitly about the relationships be- that these women have with each other. Um, and it's very much about a commentary about what it was to be gay, specifically in um, the era of the 1940s. How you had to cover it up, how you had to hide, how you had to make up like lies around it, mm-hmm. and also about race. There are some prominently featured black characters that have to figure out how to get jobs, how to play baseball at all in that, in that atmosphere, in which being a woman and being a woman of color makes it doubly hard yeah. for you to live your dream if you want to pitch or if you want to play at all, like, or get a job at a factory, stuff like that. It does a really good job of feeling like a modern show while at the same time being firmly in that time. Your mileage may vary on that. And why I say that is because friend of the show, Christy, had a problem with that tone. She didn't like how the dialogue was fairly modern, not necessarily modern lingo, but was structured in a way that people definitely did not talk mm-hmm. in the 1940s. Uh, and also the, um, the soundtrack does, it does kind of expand beyond the 40s as well. You're getting songs from the 60s, 70s, beyond. And that also kind of rubbed her the wrong way. It's because she was saying, comparing it to a show that we talked about earlier this year, Dickinson, which fully just goes to, no, we're modernizing everything about this. This doesn't commit all the way like Dickinson does. And so she wanted to to kind of pick a lane. So, and it doesn't. So, she doesn't have a problem with the content of like with the dressing. It's the, yeah, it's the the writing of it. Yeah, the writing of it just feels more of like a modern approach. Stuff that would be phrased differently if they were actually characters from the 1940s. It doesn't bug me as much. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, but yeah, I thought for the most part it was it was pretty um, confident in its approach in approaching these of-its-time subject matter and of-its-time kind of characters with kind of modern accoutrement on the edges. I kind of thought it worked. Um, I think that there is even more runway for them to do more with it. If they only do give the one season, though, there is some finality to the final. Uh, for, to the fun finale and like I'd be okay with it if it does end here but I could honestly see them keep going uh, go tell stories about being on a women's baseball team beyond uh, the movie that being said it didn't last very long in actual real life history mm-hmm. so there is going to be a final final point at some point right. it only there. went out for like three years yeah, during the war during and the so war. yeah like there's only so much they can do with it but the way that they portrayed the characters I thought was excellently done. I thought that it was a fun show overall and a good time. Um, so yeah, if you have Amazon, it's probably the best thing I've seen on Amazon. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, check it out. Yeah, it's definitely been on my watch list. Yeah, Very, but yes, especially if you're interested in seeing a lot of lesbian... Uh, 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 Content? <laughs> I was trying to avoid something that sounded, <laughs> sounded a little skeezy. No, I mean, representation is the word I was looking for. Uh, stories about lesbians from the 1940s is definitely this is one of the better versions of that I've seen. So okay. there you go. Take it around. Check it out. Alright. But that's pretty much it. Uh, Great British Bake Off keeps happening. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, Good Doctor okay. pre- re-premiered uh, this past week. And, All right. Oh, soapy drama. Yep. 
It's what you what you're there for. Especially when um you open with or you close the previous season with uh, a shooting, so it comes up with the oh, we don't know who lives or who dies right. kind of thing, which you know gave it to ABC to constantly do that every third season to like shake possibly shake up the cast, um, and then immediately open the season with um, the recitement of the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. Oh, wow. I mean, like, do we save the shooter or do we save like our doctor, even uh-huh. though like. Saving the shooter is the easier route, but saving our doctor may or may not work. Oh boy, it's so, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, just the added layers of soapy drama, which yeah. is like, you know, I don't have a lot of drama in my life, not to brag, but that's where I get my drama from. Right. Is it? Yeah, but it's um, more added stories to people who like those drama, dramatic, over dramatic stories. Super drama. <laughs> super drama. It is super drama. All right. Let's move on. Cancellations and renewals is next. Yeah. Um, so what am I no longer watching? You have to say, you have to say the line. Okay, what am I no longer watching? <laughs> Netflix has canceled Firefly Lane after two seasons. Prime Video is bringing back Outer Range for a second season. Hulu giving a fifth season to Solar Opposites. Prime Video bringing back Legend of Vox Machina for a third season. Is it Machina? Machina? Oh. Whatever. Fox, before its premiere, renewing Crapopolis for a second season. That is Dan, Dan Harmon's animated show. Also, I guess there's some sort of NFT push for this. I don't know. It's stupid. Is this a separate NFT show from Seth Green's yes. monkey thing? Yes, different. Also of note about Crapopolis Krapo- Krapo- <laughs> yes. is that this is actually the first animated show that Fox wholly owns. They do not, this is, I know, how did it take 20 years, 25 years, 30 years for them to do this? Um, but yes, every single animated show that's premiered on Fox up until this point has been a co, like a co-production deal. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is a fully owned Fox show. Maybe that's why they're doubling down before yes, it's premiered. Yes, that's probably why they're doubling down on it. So before anybody's even seen it. Yep. So we'll see how Crapopolis uh, turns out. Let's move on to deaths. We have a few this week. First up. Sasheen Littlefeather, age 75, civil rights activist and actress, was in such things as Johnny Firecloud and Winterhawk, a Native American, I should mention, was the uh, person who declined the Best Actor Award on Marlon Brando's behalf at the 1973 Academy Awards. Yeah, at the time it was seen as like something a lot of people poked fun at. Uh, I think over time we've now realized like, oh shit, no, they... Marlon Brando was serious, yeah. and Sasheen Littlefeather was serious, and this was not funny. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, definitely an important um, Native American activist and civil rights activist. So yeah, very important. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, will be missed. Moving on, the country music world was saddened this week with the death of Loretta Lynn at age 90, Hall of Fame country singer-songwriter, famous for Coal Miner's Daughter, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, The Pill, famous, famous songs. Grammy winner in 1972, 2004, and 2010. So multiple Grammys to her name. A legend in the business, as you said, very close with a lot of yep. uh, people in the country music world, like your Alan Jackson. I think she's on a puzzle that I have back there. Oh, she's on a puzzle. She made it on a puzzle. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a storied uh, like country Like when I went to visit Nashville earlier this year, a lot of Loretta Lynn everywhere. Oh, absolutely. And what a story, too. She wasn't famous until her mid-30s. Mm-hmm. 
Um, as the as the uh, song says, she was just a coal miner's daughter who ended up making a country career in her, the later half of her life. So there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> so yeah, like let that hearten you that if you're not famous yet, you still have time. You yes. can have a Loretta, Loretta Lynn style career awaiting you. So who knows? So yeah, that was a sad one. Lastly, uh, wrapping up the deaths this week, Lenny Lipton, age 82, a poet and lyricist, brought us Puff the Magic Dragon. Uh, I think he's the poet for Puff yes. the Magic Dragon, not the actual lyricist. So there you go. Puff the Magic Dragon. Yes. That's all. Let's move on to our last segment, which is movies. Uh, last but not least, I should say, we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers. And number one, hey, if you like horror movies, it's time to smile. Because Smile was your number one debuting uh, movie this week. $22.6 million. Yeah, so not a week. happy smile, more like the a creepy, creepy smile. smile. The, like the, you got $22 million smile. Hey. Hey. Moving down to number two this week, Don't Worry Darling with $6.8 million, adding to a $32 million total. Yep. Number three, that the, dropped. The hard. Woman King dropping also this week, six point eight million dollars. That's at forty six domestic. Number four, the re-release of Avatar made another five million dollars, eighteen million for the year, over two billion total. Over two billion, yeah. yes. And then rounding out your top five, a disappointing showing for another debut this week, Bros, four point eight million dollars. I will talk about Bros a little later in the show. For now, upcoming this week, the release week for the 14th, guess what? It is Halloween time, and that means another Halloween movie in the Halloween franchise. It's Halloween. Good. This is the final one, though. Yes, because it's called Halloween Ends. Yes. So there you go. So this is the end of the trilogy that started a couple years back with yes. Halloween, Halloween Hall the reboot. Yeah, Halloween Kills. Yes, and now and Halloween, Halloween Ends. Ends. Um, this will be available on Peacock to stream, so I'll probably watch it there yeah. and give my thoughts on it next week. We'll talk about when Halloween ends before Halloween even starts. Might do a triple feature. Oh, triple feature. I don't know. Depends if I have time. Probably not, yeah. but I still have Halloween yeah. to watch. So we'll see. So that's your, that's your new release this week. Moving on to movie news. Hey, remember Rust? That troubled production that had the shooting on site? With Alec Baldwin? Yes. Well... Rust Movie Productions LLC and its Rust star and producer Alec Baldwin have reached a settlement with the estate of late cinematographer Halina, Hal, Hal, Halina Hutchins, who unfortunately uh, died uh, after the shooting. As part of the piece, her husband, Matthew Hutchins, will executive produce Rust, which will return to production in January 2023 with the original cast. The Hutchins family had filed a wrongful death lawsuit back in February, or yeah, back in February 15th over the shooting of Hutchins that occurred on the set of the Western in October 21st, 2021. Oh, when, just about a year ago. ago. Yeah. When Baldwin discharged a prop gun after being informed by the production assistant director, David Halls, that the weapon was, quote, cold. Close to a year since the tragic incident occurred, the Santa Fe Sheriff's Office has yet to charge anyone. OSHA fined Rust Productions, LLC, a maximum allowable $136,793 after a six-month investigation that found a, quote, willful and serious, unquote, violation of workplace safety procedures. So, yeah, we already kind of said our piece about, you know, mm -hmm. workplace safety and all that stuff. It is interesting here that they did not end up charging anyone because, again, like we said back then, a lot of people's hands were in this and a lot yep. of different, like, bad things happened on the set. 
So no single person is necessarily to blame here, but they all needed to figure out better precautionary like 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 strategies. However, I will tell you from personal experience, this event has made ripples through the entire uh, entertainment field. And I say that because Christy and I this week saw a live production of Oklahoma at the Amundsen Theater in Los Angeles mm-hmm. on Thursday night. And in the beginning of the show, the announcer specifically had to say the gun, the firearms used in this production are prop guns. There is no live ammunition anywhere in the theater. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you have to say now. Because mm-hmm. this event has now made everybody super cognizant about prop guns being loaded. It's scary. So yeah, like, it, yeah, so it's like, it's good to know that now, like, people are thinking about it and it's front of mind. So yeah, I, I don't know if this is enough for the, the estate and the family to get that production credit. It will eventually lead to money, which is good. Um, but yeah, geez, what a, what a messy wrap up for what has been a messy story. It's comes. I mean, it just this chapter has come to an end. Yeah, the movie's still going to get made. Still going to come out. Yeah. Um, they said that they wanted to help finish the film as a legacy to Hannah Hutchinson. Yeah. Hutchins, uh, because she did work on the film. She did put time, effort, part of her life into the film. So Absolutely. they want to help complete the film as part of her legacy. It's just unfortunate for anyone involved in this movie because it's always going to be tainted with the shadow of this event. Yeah. Um, you can't get away from it. I mean, it's should see how many people do come back to the production of it because yeah. it has been a full... It'll be 14 months since they halted production. Yeah. So it's rough. It's rough. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens when the movie actually releases. Yeah. I mean, as we said before, when this actually happened, should it ever come out, it may end up being one of the curiosity <laughs> things that people want yeah, to Yeah, but not for a good reason. Yeah. Similar to how Don't Worry Darling was like more infamous uh, than famous. When right. it was and the box office is showing for it. It's true. Let's move on to our second story here. Hey, let's keep talking about guilds because here's something else happening. The Writers Guild. The Writers Guild has won a dispute involving a feature film writer's right to reacquire his original unproduced script that the Guild says, quote, paves the way for more similar rulings, unquote. The arbitrator's ruling in that case follows a recent landmark self-dealing arbitration against Netflix that the Guild says will result in hundreds of writers on more than 100 Netflix theatrical films receiving an additional $42 million in underpaid residuals and the settlement of similar arbitration against Amazon in which the WGA has collected more than $4 million and underpaid residuals and interest on dozens of films produced or acquired by the studio. <clears throat> in the latest win, in the case of a writer reacquiring their unproduced original script, the WGA West says that, quote, not only is the award a win for the screenwriter, but the ruling is helpful to all screenwriters seeking to reacquire an unproduced script by clarifying that certain actions by the production company simply aren't enough to put a script in active development in order to avoid the reacquisition process. Procedures for reacquisition contained in the Guild's minimum basic agreement state that, quote, at any time during the two-year period immediately following expiration of the production company's five-year period within which to actively develop the material, the writer may notify the company in writing of the writer's intent to reacquire the material. So, in a parallel almost to the songwriting master's discussion, Mm -hmm. here you have screenwriters that are like, 
I made a deal with the studio. They said they were going to work on my script. The studio bought the script. Yeah. They said they were going to turn it into a feature film. And they sat on it. They sat on it. Five years, it. five years later, yeah. there's still no feature from it. I want to get that back by right. taking it to another studio. So the WGA is working to make it easier and basically doing back pay for people who had this experience. Mm -hmm. Being like, no, you should be able to get your script back, shop it around again. If so, that way they're not just sitting on it forever and you don't make money off of it. Right, it's, because uh, the, the the word they use is active development right, as a yes. company. And that could mean anything from, oh, yeah, we had a meeting on it three months ago. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, we have someone doing rewrites that we hired yeah. five, six months ago that yeah. we're still waiting to get back. It was on my desk, I swear, I read it. <laughs> yeah. It's just that they have the script. And for some of these writers, like, they put their heart, soul, like, they love these scripts. And they, they get excited when they get bought. They think it's going to turn into something. Yeah. And then when nothing comes of it, it's like, well, I did all the work for this, but I don't see any payoff. Like, you got money for it because you bought it, but there's no, you can't point to it. You can't say, I wrote for this script. Yeah. You can't watch it because <laughs> it never got actually yeah. produced. They swear they bought it. They just didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. It's rough. But this will hopefully allow more flexibility with that process or avoid that process altogether. It, what it will also do is allow for other companies and other production studios to buy up scripts that people are sitting on. Right. Like, hey, this is actually a good script. You know, we can actually get this thing funded right. and produced. And yeah. Right? There's probably some, if you probably look at those, the blacklist scripts from the last like 10 years, yeah. there's probably like five of them that never got produced. Right. And because of shit like this. And so this will hopefully avoid that happening. Right. I mean, hopefully this avoids like even the blacklist being created. <laughs> yeah. Of like, hey, right. like we Why love scripts, but made, yeah. we just couldn't get it working. Right. So we'll see. This could be good moving yeah. forward. Yeah, That'll do it for television or movie news. Yes. We watched some movies. We watched uh, quite a few. Actually, three movies and a trailer. So. Uh, why don't you start? So I didn't. Last week I said we were going to try to watch Hocus Pocus 2. We didn't. But you did. You didn't? No, we didn't get I around to it. I told you to. We, yeah, we were watching other stuff. We I were know. busy. But yes. I know. Just like you told me to, to listen to music and I don't. You don't do it. Yeah, you don't do my homework. Why would I do your homework? <laughs> Anyways. So yes, Hocus Pocus 2. The sequel to Hocus Pocus. Yes. Uh, 30, 29 year sequel as yeah. they point out continuously throughout <laughs> the film that it's been 29 years. Yeah. Which would be really weird if it like skipped this year and happened next year. Uh, and you're like, oh, 29 years. We have it in the dialogue. Or they do the cutaway just to like ADR the 30-year in it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's a sequel to the original Hocus Pocus where the Sanderson sisters are once again resurrected to come back to haunt Salem mm -hmm. and procure their magical elemental book uh, in order to cast the spell on you haha -ha. yeah. uh, cast a spell on the town in order to regain their powers of witches if as far as an actual like sequel it works in most parts but at, at other times it does feel like a forced 27 29 year sequel it's like, yeah, a lot has changed between now and 29 years ago. A lot more technology, a lot more automation. Uh, but at the same time, actors have aged. You kind of feel like 
they're running a bit slower. Um, there's a lot more nuances and a lot more meta commentary because in the film, like the, the events that happen in Hocus Pocus are town lore, are town legends. Like they actually exist and right. they tell about them 20, 29 years later. So like they know about the stuff that happened 29 years ago. And yet here we are kind of repeating the same steps. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Did you not learn your lesson for the first time of bringing them here? Right. <laughs> we didn't learn anything. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't learn anything. Or, like, uh, how to, like, uh, fix things. Um, in the end, the power of friendship wins out. Because, of course, it does. Because, of course, it does. It's still a children's movie. It is. Let's be real. Also, um, the power of uh, surprise. I am related to an <laughs> actual witch, and therefore, I have witch powers. Because this is a kids' movie, and I am the chosen one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sequel. <laughs> it does sequel things yeah. very much for the kids. Uh, I've seen a lot of people on the internet trying to proclaim this as an instant classic. Um, you're wrong. No, uh, it's a good companion piece to the original Hocus Pocus, but again, it does at times feel like trying to top and one up a 29 year old film. Yeah. It does just enough to make it a good companion piece, yeah. but not good enough to stand on its own as an instant classic. Yeah, that's the reboot problem, right? Which yeah. is like if you if your nostalgia is your crutch, you're you, you you're not gonna feel like a new thing. And that's what I feel like a lot of these yeah. like takes that I've either like seen or heard from is that crutch of mm -hmm. I've just like grown up watching Hocus Pocus like every year because the Halloween tradition. This is good. This is perfect. Like it's a good like sequel to it. Like no, you're have your Nostalgia glasses on exactly. there saying it is because of your love of the original Hocus Pocus. It does not stand on its own. It can't, it's not a good sequel, it's a good companion piece. Sure, and I think that maybe is the best lens to look at these things through because, yeah, they do mostly feel like that. And they maybe, yeah, maybe we are viewing it wrong by th saying that it's a sequel. Maybe we don't need to make these always sequels. Maybe they can coexist. Yeah. And, like, not be as nearly as important, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's neat that they made it, but, yeah, it doesn't sound super necessary. Like, you can watch the first one without needing the second one. Right. Yeah. Same way, you kind of need the first one to understand parts of the second one. Like, especially, like, the the big reason of why they, they the Sanderson sisters come back. Fair enough. Now, you can tell it was October because not only did you watch something with witches, you watched something with werewolves. Yes. Marvel. Yes. Werewolf by Night by none other than directed <laughs> by and scored by in a rare dual feat. <laughs> yes. I think he was also co-written on this, yeah. co-writer on this. The Shohei Otani. Yes. The multi-hyphen <laughs> Michael Giacchino. Hey, Michael Giacchino. <laughs> uh, so we actually um, reported on when this thing was first announced, I think a year ago, yeah. that they were doing this. And Michael Giacchino, yes, the guy who scores pretty much everything for Disney at this point. Yes, Academy Award winning composer Michael Giacchino was directing yes. Werewolf by Night. Yes. So for, for those of you who don't know, um, a little bit of backstory and comic book kind of blending into this. Werewolf by Night is a comic book, uh, basically a one-off, one-shot series that Marvel did as part of its horror genre. Um, they did a lot of these one-shots for like uh, that involved um, werewolves, um, Dracula, vampires, swamp things, 
um, like the mitzvah and the makav, um, in at the same time that people when comic books were changing and getting more into the superhero genre, more into the sci-fi genre, that there was still an out, element out there of people who wanted horror comic mm. books, and that's where the Werewolf by Night comes from. Okay, it exists within that horror scope of the Marvel universe. Okay. Where it can be seen as like both its own separate thing, but as this thing, as uh, Werewolf by Night kind of implies at by the end of it, could eventually morph itself into the actual MCU should they ever want it to be. But right now, it's standalone as a one shot, one off, fifty minutes, not even technically a full hour with oh. credits. Okay. I think the whole runtime is fifty four, but it's about fifty minutes. Uh, like 45, 50 minutes in length. It's black and white, right? Black and white and red all over. Ah, I see. There is a, there is they a, did a Sin City. Yes. There's a splash <laughs> of color coming from the Bloodstone, Ooh. which is both an object and a person. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Bloodstone is the name of an actual character, but it's also the name of the object that they're trying to vie for. Um, this Felt like an instant classic more so than people were talking about Hocus Pocus 2. Right. This felt like not just an only an homage to the old uh, 1940s, 1950s, uh, George A. Romero, Night of the Living Dead okay. um, horror films, but in a modern classicalization of it. It's very homaging to it, but also pays respect to not just like the film techniques that were used back then, but also in like the animation, the animatronics, the, the setup, the um, the set design, props, all of kind of those, that kind of lore, that kind of theme. Okay, all right. It's, um, it takes place in one night, hence the werewolf by night kind of <laughs> feature, um, where there, there are several monster hunters gather for the death of one Ulysses Bloodstone. And per his wishes, whoever hunts the monster currently in the maze garden will henceforth be attributed to with the actual bloodstone <laughs> MacGuffin. Got it. Um, so it's both like a one-night hunt, think, um, what's the short story? Uh, Most Dangerous Game. Yeah. But also inter-family problems because... Elsa Bloodstone, the long lost daughter, has come to crash the party. <laughs> and yes, me doing that is both like over the top, but also there is a bit of an area in the beginning to set this up kind of on a, a, a kind of like a la, um, what am I thinking of? Oh God, what's his name? Dear, not, not Price. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're... Yeah, Vincent Price. Vincent Price, yes. yes. Like the Vincent Price of the thriller video. Yeah, yes. That kind of vibe. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, so, uh, because it's shot in black and white, it does hearken to that. Mm. Uh, because it's set in its own time period, you can watch this without like even knowing or caring anything else about Marvel. Okay. It's, it's very standalone, cool. and I can see myself watching this on a yearly basis as Halloween rolls around. It's got the right amount of suspense... Not necessarily like gore horror, but like shock horror and um, 
just the way it was shot, the way it moves around with the camera, mm-hmm. the long takes, the little details and like the ex- added film grain and like cigarette burns to know like when the reels change. <laughs> Uh, which is also like when the acts change. Um, very smart, very well done. I really, really enjoyed this, both from a like production standpoint, and also from a just visual achievement mm-hmm. of, of getting this thing not just creative, but also telling a self-contained story that doesn't have to bleed into the rest of the MCU. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like it could. So of course, the, the the underlying question here is, how's Giacchino's directing stuff? Does he? Is it seems like he's got a future in this um, realm? It's very basic. Sure. From a first time director, nothing like uh, like that screams like, oh my god, like this shot like helps make this. <laughs> but it does help when you like. If you're gonna steal, steal from the best. Right. And if you're gonna steal from the best and steal from a certain genre. Yeah. You know, your shots might as well match up. So it's not like the best thing directed, but <laughs> it's also like not exactly like worst first time director. What the hell yeah. do you think you're doing here? Okay, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, if you're like working on a Disney production, that kind of helps. I'm sure. Right. You get I'm the sure backup. That, yeah. yeah, you get the backup. You get all the previs, so you know what exactly you're shooting before right. you actually like. Step on cam, step on the set to shoot anything. Well, good for him. Uh, seems like a perfect thing to cut your teeth on direction, and it seems like it's a fun time if you want something uh, a little creepy going into the Halloween season. So. Yeah. Cool. Good. Awesome. I saw something that's not scary. Well, it was scary for uh, straight people. <laughs> well, as a straight person, I wasn't that scared. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I saw Bros which is the romantic comedy starring and uh, written by, or co-written by, I believe, uh, Billy Eichner. Yes, I believe this also... Billy on the Street fame. Yes. Yes. Of uh, Parks and Rec. Yes, he's had quite a career uh, starting out doing, like, YouTube videos, essentially, and then kind of gaining uh, more cred as he started acting and started getting involved in other things and kind of made a name for himself. And uh, he's here with his first, uh, with his film debut, uh, in Bros, uh, which is, like I said, it's a romantic comedy. And yeah, the marketing wants you to believe that like this is a huge deal, and Billy Eckner wants you to believe this is a huge deal, because it is, and it is in a certain light, as it is one of the first times that a major studio has greenlit and produced a gay romantic comedy and marketed it as a big release. That's important. It is a big deal, and I don't blame Billy for being out there and being like, you know, like, this is important, please see this movie kind of thing. But as far as the actual movie, it's a romantic comedy. It's not doing anything so revolutionary or off, you know, like, off-base that it's, like, extremely notable or, like, feels like a watershed moment for the genre. None of that. However, what it is, though, is a very good romantic comedy. I think the script is excellent. I think it's really smart. It's a modern, it's a very modern version of the romantic comedy. It's very realistic in the way that the characters interact with each other, how they communicate with each other. It's not love at first sight. It's definitely not. It's more complicated than that. It's, there's a back and forth with a relationship that feels like a real relationship. A lot of issues that I've had personally, in fact, uh, kind of come up here. And just because it's gay people, does not like, like a gay couple does not change any of that. 
it's a very natural feeling story that they're telling here that just feels like a real relationship. Is it kind of cheesy and do you get that, you know, warm, cozy, happy ending at the end? Of course you do because you have to do it because ultimately like uh, like that, their community has not had a whole lot of representation that has happy endings. You know, there's that stereotype about like, oh, well, the gay stories always end with someone dying or someone sick. And it's like, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. And Bros is a good example of, no, it doesn't have to, you don't have to have the sad ending to feel legitimate, for it to feel real. Like, you can give yourself the nice, comfy, happy ending. Why not? And it does do that. Um, Billy Eichner is also the star here, and he does a fairly good job of being a leading guy. Do I think that maybe he leans a little too much in being the character Billy Eichner? Yes, absolutely. He's more or less the same kind of dude in everything that he's been in. You mean I wrote this for me yeah, to play myself? It does feel a little self-insert-y, which of course it does. Um, because he's, you know, the creative force behind it. Um, and so, yeah, if you like that, what that means, though, if you like his style, uh, then you're going to like this character because he's basically playing who he always plays. It reminded me especially of his character from Difficult People, the Hulu show. Mm -hmm. uh, very much kind of the same idea. Um, but yeah, so, um, but it's fun and it's well made. Um, it's got some really great jokes in it. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's smart enough. Are we going to see this, you know, nominated for uh, screenplay for, at the Oscars? Probably not. It's probably not that great. Okay. Like in the pantheon of romantic comedies. But it's definitely a solid movie. It's definitely like much better than um, it could have been. And like an alternate version of this could have been much worse. And it is disappointing to see it bomb so hard at the box office because I do think that if more people were willing to give it a shot, it's a really funny, good, like good time in in movies. Um, and yeah, I think that more people should see it. I think it'll have a second life when it comes on streaming. I really okay. think. I think people were gonna word of mouth this thing later. It's just it's sad that it didn't happen while it was in theaters. So expect this to be like replayed on TV or streaming. Uh, streaming, I think it will definitely uh, okay. like shine. Uh, I think that it will find its audience. It's just going to have some. It's unfortunately going to take time for it to find its audience. But I do think it's really well made, and I think I had a good time with it. Okay. So that's Bros. 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 And then we also saw a trailer. Uh, this is a little crossover between the video game section. Yes, and this also kind of ties in with the fan question as well. Yes, it does. So, we've talked for weeks about Super Mario Brothers movie uh, that Nintendo is co-producing with Illumination, mm -hmm. the Minions people. Well, we've finally seen the first footage of it in the trailer, the teaser trailer, to use what they're calling it. Yes. Uh, and yeah, we know what Chris Pratt's Mario sounds like. We know what Jack Black's Bowser sounds like. We got a snippet of Toad, uh, speaking of Keegan Michael Key, yep. uh, second time in this podcast. Um, and yeah, we got to see kind of like the overall look of this thing. And um, I was pleasantly surprised. I think uh, it looks pretty nice. I like that it's kind of like taking like taking the world of the video game, specifically Super Mario Odyssey is I think what it looks closest mm -hmm. to, and then making it look like if that world was in an Illumination movie. I think yeah. it works visually. It does have a crossover with Illumination, but that is to be expected, yeah. especially with the way of Mario looks. It does, yes. at times, um, look like Fix-It Felix from Disney. <laughs> I've seen that comparison, but hey, yeah. 
when Fix and Felix was based on the character of Mario itself. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's kind of like... It's like, yeah, what do you expect? What it's you expect? like life-imitating art, and that art was brought to life. Well, so. it seems like what they did was they made the compromise between Mario's video game face and Chris Pratt. A little bit. Which is what you do in animation, always have. If you're voiced by a character, you naturally, the animators naturally animate to the voice. Mm-hmm. And, and or the, the facial expressions that the person's doing in the booth. And so you do see elements of Chris Pratt's performance probably in Mario's face, which means they had to change certain things. Though he looks pretty visibly like Mario. He doesn't yeah. look like not Mario. This is not a Sonic the Hedgehog scenario where it was like, ah, look at that thing, abomination. No, he looks fine. Although I did see a lot of people, I don't know who you are out there, <laughs> comment on the lack of oh, yeah, his ass. Mario's ass. Yes. So, uh, and my joke has been the same joke a lot of people have made. Well, he's been butt stomping since 1996. <laughs> that thing's going to wear off if you do that too many times. <laughs> Just flatten that thing. Just, uh, uh, every time he lands. Anyways. Yes, for those of you who worry about <laughs> what Mario's ass looks like, um, it's Mario's ass. Thinking about Mario's ass, exactly. Anyways, it looks like it will be fine. Also, yeah. news came out this week that uh, Jack Black's uh, Bowser may or may not have, like, a song in the film. Ugh. Which, you know, you get Jack Black, Black of course you want him to sing. Yeah. Of course! So that sounds like that might be fine. Overall, I think what this will ultimately be is, like, it'll be an Illumination movie that just happens to be about Mario and friends. Don't think it's going to be better than that. Don't think it's going to be bottom-of-the-barrel trash. It's just going to be middle-of-the-road family entertainment that'll be enjoyable for the Easter eggs in the background. I think that's what we're looking for. You want to know what else is enjoyable, middle-of-the-road elimination entertainment? Yes. Sing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And Sing too. Sure, I don't like those movies, but with the Mario stuff and being limited to the world of Mario, I think this might be the better better version of that. If you have Jack Black singing, you think other people, he's going to want to sing something, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there might be more musical in this than I would love that. Honestly, that really? would that would that would sell it for me if okay. this was more of a musical. And I wanted to save this for last in this conversation. All right, what do you think about the Mario voice? What was your take? It's Chris Pratt. Do I? Yeah, it's just Chris Pratt. But it's Chris Pratt with a little bit of something at the edge. It's like he's trying to go for like New Yorker, like a Brooklyn kind of thing, like a donk. It's, New Donk City? Yeah, he's like, almost, but it's like, it's pretty basic until like the ends of the phrases. He tries to like New York it up a little bit. It almost sounds like he watched, uh, he watched uh, Bob Hoskins in the original Super Mario Brothers movie. And I was like, I can kind of do that. Because there were a lot of people being like, is he going to do the the, uh, Charles Martinet, like Italian, it's a me thing? No, apparently he's completely side, like, no, he's not doing that at all. He's going for New York instead of Italian, which I think is the right move for a 90-minute film. Yes. I think this is what you do. Because if you have 90 minutes of, oh, it's a me, it's going to get terrible. It's going to be terrible. It's going to screech through yeah. uh, the parents' ears. Oh, worst. So, yeah, no, I think he made the right choice. I think people are, though, right to be like, oh, it's Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. I know, like a lot of people were comparing, it, uh, comparing his voice to... Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers <laughs> moments. I'm like, yeah, it does kind of little sound like that, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see when we hear more dialogue out of Mario, because he'll be yes. talking throughout this whole thing, I assume. I assume, too. Well, once we get like a full actual story trailer. Also, uh, screw with the internet things. I love Keegan-Michael Key's Toad. I think it's perfect. <laughs> Should Toad 
speak full sentences? Probably not. But if the toad did speak full <laughs> sentences, that is what he would sound like. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. It looks fine. Yeah. Is where I'm at. I think it looks fine. I think people who are saying it looks terrible are wrong. Uh, it looks like it's going to be exactly what Illumination makes, and that's fine. Yeah. All right, that wraps up the thoughts of movies, unless you watch anything else. Uh, not in terms of movies, but right. I mentioned that uh, the Mario trailer does tie to the fan question. Yes, it does. We have a fan question again this week. Thanks to our viewer, Rich, again. Thank you for a wonderful question. Hope this gets to you in time for today's podcast. It did just about a couple minutes before we went live, so yes. thank you. I just wanted to ask you guys what franchise you would like to see make a return, whether it's a remaster, sequel, or resurrection. I'd love for them to bring back Joss Whedon's Firefly and get a nice conclusion to that. I would love a sequel to Okami. And I don't know if this is a little dark, but I would love to see Nirvana, but with a still-alive Kurt Cobain. But that might change how time works in terms of another one of my favorite bands, Foo Fighters. Thanks, guys, and look for I look forward to your reply. Thank you, Rich. Uh, hmm. So, first off, Firefly one. did get a <laughs> nice conclusion. Mr. Semantics. It was, it was called Serenity. It, it was, was a called movie. the film Serenity, but that's true. Yeah, but it doesn't count. Also, Okami did get a Okami well, uh, got a DS sequel, Okami Den, and I don't think anybody played it. So well, Clearly, Rich didn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think that was pretty late in the DS. I'm pretty sure Okami line. 2 was a thing, right? I don't think Okami 2, maybe it was announced at some point, but I don't think they ever actually put out an Okami 2. But yeah, you're right. I think that that... That game was a really cool, like Zelda, uh, Zelda style game. I remember when the HD remaster came out on PS4. That was a really cool uh, moment, and I think that a lot of people were reminded of how cool that game is. Mm -hmm. And just the art style is just beautiful at the time, especially, and it still holds up. So I, I think that's a good idea. I, I like your ideas. I don't know about Zombie Kurt Cobain though. I don't think. I think that. I think that, yeah, they could. Uh, I think the living members of Nirvana could be Nirvana again, but I just don't think there's interest in it because of how much that was Kurt Cobain's statement. Yeah. Like, it was so much of him was in that band. I don't think you do it. Now, if Kurt Cobain lived, though, I'm actually of the camp that I think that if he had, like, if he had lived, that third album that they were planning would have been completely different than what people were expecting. I think at the time after In Utero came out, I think that band was so in a different space. Like, you even see it with the uh, MTV Unplugged performance. Mm -hmm. Kurt was in a different space than he was writing In Utero. I think he was, well, obviously, he was about to be in a very dark spot, physically and emotionally. Uh, but he seemed to, like, be exploring a lot of folk music. Like, a lot of the covers he did in that concert were, like, very slower-paced kind of Americana folksy leaning things and so maybe that third record would not have sounded like Nirvana at all so even if Nirvana had continued I don't know if it would have been the same thing that maybe Nirvana, Nirvana fans wanted um, but it's all speculation honestly I mean on that on those heels they could always do something like Queen did where yeah. they had Adam Lambert to be the front and they call him it. Queen with Adam Lambert. But again, Adam Lambert plus Queen. But again, I think Nirvana was so tied to Kurt's yeah. whole thing and identity that you can't revitalize it. Well, the you thing can't thing with Lincoln Park and yeah. Chester Bennington. I think you're right. I don't think Lincoln Park ever comes back for the same reason. Right. Because I think that those are two bands that are so identified with their lead that you can't have a, a second version. It just wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. But to answer the actual question here... Um, I don't know, what, what, what things um, bygone would you like to see return? Well, we are seeing another 
crack at a another crack another crack <laughs> at a Super Mario Brothers film this yeah. by Illumination. Right. Um, in terms of like an actual like a sequel or a re- resurrection of yeah. something that What's died, something you loved. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that you would love to see them do again. Oh, I already got my answer with that, and that's Kingdom Hearts 3. I mean, that hasn't <laughs> existed. This is, that, yeah, like, what's something that hasn't been rebooted? Right, uh, the, oh, I know, the obvious one. Bring back the Sly Cooper franchise. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's the one that uh, I see on the internet being talked about all the time, of what happened to this? Because the way the, it ended with, uh, with, I think it was Sly Cooper 3, uh, Thieves in Time, is that Sly Cooper was lost to time. And so, hey, <laughs> if Crash Bandicoot yeah. can come back with Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. Sly Cooper come back with Sly Cooper 4 and say, it's about time as well. Right. Or it's about time Raccoon 2. <laughs> Raccoon Cooey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's one that I always see floating around on the internet. as. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good idea. Those games were cool. Yeah. I had a couple game ones. We don't have to just do games, but I had a couple game ones. One's obscure and one not as obscure. I mean, uh, I loved the Nintendo 64 game Tetris Sphere. Nobody knows what it is. Because Tetris is 2D. What do you mean the sphere? It was a Tetris game that took place on a sphere. Because, of course, it was the N64. They wanted to show off the 3D graphics. And so you're literally trying to make matches, but like by digging, like drilling into the core of the sphere. It was really cool. It had a cool like techno soundtrack. And this is like 97, so you know what I mean when I say techno, like actual techno. Like it was so, so cool. Yeah, look at some gameplay of this thing. But whenever I would have friends play it, play it they'd all be baffled by it. And I, would be, I was the only pe- person I knew that would actually know how to play it. So I'd have people play multiplayer with me, and they just get owned. I would just destroy them <laughs> in Tetrisphere. But it's a cool-ass game that nobody remembers, and just like a blip on the Tetris radar. I would love to see a modern Tetrisphere. Like one of those, it's Tetris. Yeah, it's Tetris, but it's not, because you're going down. You're destroying blocks instead of, well, I mean, with Tetris, you're destroying blocks eventually. Mm-hmm. But mostly what you're doing is, is, is like stacking them. This, you're kind of moving them parallel to each other to destroy them. Yeah, you Anything move touching parallel is what they do. This is not how I play Tetrisphere at all, by the way. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, it's a fun game that no one remembers that I think would really work now. It's just that I don't think it'll ever happen because of how the Tetris rights are all over the place at this point. And I think the original developers are long dead. Uh, not, not actually dead. You know what I mean? The company doesn't yeah. exist anymore. But yeah, I love Tetris here. Uh, the more obvious choice I would have is, uh, I really would love, I, I know they're still releasing DLC for Rock Band 4, but I would love to see what they would do, what a modern, like a new, brand new Rock Band game would look like. What new features? Maybe bring back some of the stuff that they did in 3 that they didn't do in 4, like the keyboard controller and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Maybe do a, a, like a subscription model for the songs moving forward, that'd be great. I just I would love a modern rock band for mo- for the modern world like based on subscription. Maybe there's like an app that you can use for the singing or something like that. Just modernize it. But unfortunately, again, Harmonix is now owned by Epic. Who knows what happens there? Um, so yeah, it would be dis- I think it would be ultimately impossible to have the rock band five that I want. But I would love to see them try it. So I'm gonna bring up something from TV animation anime. Okay. 
that has happened, but I'd like to see them continue to happen. Okay. Um, the Digimon reboot. I don't know if you knew that this they was going on. They did do this. I knew this happened. Okay, yes. so the 2020 reboot was a reimagination of the original series. Um, it's all, I think, has never got a localized release, uh, mm -hmm. but it's all, um, I think you can find most of it either online or people like talking about it online. But it was a good reinterpretation of the original 1999 series, but built for modern times using a lot more modern and kind of like knowing like how they wanted to end and how they want to like interpolate like, oh, like after like the 99 series ended, they came out with even more Digimon, even more mm -hmm. like more stories, but how to interpretate that into the original 99 series. Yeah. But then that ended. I'd like to see them continue that story with the O2 and O3 versions okay. as well. Yeah, that'd be neat. Um, because there's a lot of stuff and a lot of story threads from the, those original O2 stories that got dropped, that either got missed, that got cut, mm -hmm. especially for localized dubs. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that they could definitely expand on. And now that they have the foresight and kind of the additional knowledge of fans of those original s series, to not just like add their own take and spin to it, but being able to, as we've seen with cartoons over the past several years now, be able to plan out a more multi-series, uh, multi-layered threads to be pulled on. Not just, yeah. oh, we're going to throw this in there and maybe we'll pay it off. Or we'll throw this in here and it's just going to end up being a one-off. Yeah. That things can be more expanded upon, including parts of like the dark world that they hinted at, but never actually went into. Okay. Uh, because there was several times that they pointed out that it's not just Earth world and it's digital world, but they're also like dark world and multiple layers, and they start like swirling into each other. That because we, one, have more of like a technology, more of an understanding of what those layers could be, but like other Digimon franchises and games have actually expanded on some of that. Yeah. That you can actually now go back and have this redubbed and like revisited version of the O2 Digimon O2 that can actually like help like tie in and flesh out more of those worlds, more of those concepts. Mm -hmm. Much the same way they did with the 2020 2022 reboot. Yeah. That's yeah, no, that would make sense. There is ripe for uh, for like to retread some of that ground, mm -hmm. like bring that back to a modern audience. Like, kind of like what they're doing with Dragon Ball. Yeah. I think that's the template, right? Yeah, it's Dragon like, Ball Super was take, brought yeah, back. Exactly. Take stories and characters and worlds that people are nostalgic about and do new stuff in that world that also harkens back to the original Right, because Dragon Ball Z itself um, and Dragon Ball uh, G, GT yeah. like, ended in the 90s. Right. And now it's probably more popular than it's ever been. Like, right. the movies are huge when they're released in theaters. I mean, the movie was number one right. over here. Yeah, it's like, and not just because of nostalgia. I'm sure that a lot of the new people are seeing it for the first time, too, mm -hmm. and enjoying it. So, yeah, like, I think you're right. There's a template now for resurrecting these older franchises and being like, no, like, this, we can prove that this still matters to a lot of people. Right. And it works. Yeah, it doesn't always have to, like, be direct sequels like Boruto. <laughs> yes. Less Baruto, please. Yes. No, it can be <laughs> stuff that takes place like within the same like either timeline 
or the same universe, just set years later, uh, much the same way like uh, Legend of Korra, right, was set a generation or two, a generation or two after um, Avatar. Yeah, I mean, I don't think because the way that series ended, you can't really continue that Avatar <laughs> story. So now it's kind of a third Avatar book. Although that may be another one that you could be that's, resurrected. Yeah, that's possible. Um, but they are doing. See, that's the interesting though. Though there is that because they're also doing the live action version and some of the original curators are working on it yeah they'll be able to go back and now say like here's the definitive version the direct the the full encompassing avatar version that they can kind of fix instead of stuff where they were like flying by the seat of their pants introducing characters Mm -hmm. here and there because they fit the story that now they can have um with the live action version a more set in stone like oh like here's the Bible that we have to adhere to, mm-hmm. but because we know how the story ends, yeah. we can plant more seeds in the beginning to have better payoffs at the end. That's true. I mean, yeah, I think that ultimately where I kind of sit on this is that, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I would answer this question with already exists. And that's the thing, is that for the last decade, studios have gotten crazy with rebooting and sequeling and bringing back old things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, ultimately my answer to this is like maybe less, maybe more original stuff, but I get why it happens. And uh, but but for the reasons why you just said, I think there are ways to do it that aren't just cash grabs, that explore some interesting things like wrinkles that maybe right. didn't exist. It's the difference in the two types of I hate that we keep bringing up Disney here, <laughs> yeah. but the two types of Disney remakes, right? Where you have stuff like The Lion King and uh aladdin and beauty and the beast which are direct like reinterpretations of the classic animations but then you have stuff like maleficent wizard of evil uh, cruella possibly the upcoming little mermaid where it's its own defined series or own defined franchise and films just taking elements from the original concepts yeah there's ways to do it that don't feel that feel necessary and there's ways to do it that feel totally unnecessary, mm-hmm. which we talked about with Hocus Pocus too. Yes. So yeah, I think ultimately, yeah, if done well, I think they can be good. I think bringing back old stuff can work and be good and nostalgic in the good ways. But there's so many ways you can mess it up. But yeah, anyway, good question. Thank you, Rich, again. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. And that will do it for this week. So. Join us next time for another episode we will be doing live uh, right here on YouTube. If you want to find our YouTube channel, go to YouTube and search Media Boat Podcast and you'll find it. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications for when we go live, typically on Saturday mornings like this. And yeah, you can see our archive of videos on there as well. Mm -hmm. If you want to listen to us in audio form, you can do so on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, search Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find our feed. You can also find us on social media channels such as Twitter, where we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our page there. MediaBoatPodcast.com for an archive of our shows as well. And then last, but definitely not least, if you want to ask us a question, just like the one we answered just a moment ago, you can email us at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com so do that ask a question give us feedback whatever you want to do and we'll read it live on the show just as we did a moment ago so thank you for all of that and more we'll be back next week for a more show 
more thoughts, more news, more everything. Hopefully we won't go over two hours again. Well, <laughs> we were stuck on that last question, yeah, that question well, for a little well, while there. Well, we just had a lot to talk about this week. Yeah. We'll be back next week for more goodness, so thank you for yep. joining us. More and news, see you. more thoughts, more King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your source for King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard news. All right, see you guys. All right, bye. Bye. bye.